<laughs> that wasn't very good. It's it's still pretty early over here for me. I've got my coffee Ooh. kicking in. Um, <laughs> it was supposed to it was supposed to be a lot more James Hetfield like, but it was uh, just sounded like I had gas or something. I don't know. It sounded pretty good. Anyway, uh, hello, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, so th- this is an in- interesting episode of Cranked and Ranked. Um, for many reasons. Uh, if you're new to listening to this, um, welcome. This is a podcast where me, Stephen, a.k.a. Old Head, and my good friend, Mr. Eddie Sparks, we rank band discographies or other music-related shit, and we've got a 20-year age gap, and we're in two different parts of the world, and so it's basically bringing our both of our uh, our our really fascinating brains together, <laughs> and we <laughs> and we rank... Uh, band's discographies, it more, it's more just about a discussion, a discussion about a band. And today we are going to be discussing both of our favorite bands of all time. Not both, not, it's one band, both of ours. <laughs> how do you say that in correct English? I shouldn't be doing any kind of podcasting or anything because I don't <laughs> even know how to speak half the time. But so, yeah, Metallica is my favorite band as well as Eddie Sparks's favorite band. Um, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, but by the way, hello, Eddie. What's up? And um, another reason why <laughs> this is an interesting episode is because, well, I guess there's two things. Um, a year, about a year ago is when we started this whole cranked and ranked thing. And the very first podcast that we recorded was on Metallica. We ranked Metallica's albums, and none of you out there got to hear it. Because my my pal Eddie Sparks here, um, his <laughs> recording equipment uh, shit uh, the bed. Fu- it shit that. That's a good way to put it. It shit the bed, and so <laughs> we scrapped that one and started with Nirvana instead, which is another pretty good start. But so this has been a year. We've literally said, nope. We're just gonna we'll do we'll push that one. And I think it, it makes sense because now not only are we kind of celebrating a year anniversary of us doing this, but we're doing our favorite band. And we're we're making up for uh, for how it began. So uh, as long as everything goes okay, <laughs> there's no. Yeah. If something goes wrong this time, that's a sign from God that we should not be talking about Metallica anymore, um, which would be a sad I think it's, life. I, th- I think it's good that like we learned the uh, lesson to have a backup audio very early on. Yeah. So that we didn't like get too cocky and then like. Because the thing is, when you start off, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, mistakes were made. If I'd made this mistake like eight months in, people would leave, people would be like, oh, Eddie, for fuck's sake, dude, come <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we're actually splitting this up into two parts. This is part number one, and we have decided to only focus on the legit studio album original studio album releases from Metallica, which is just 10 albums. We thought about, you know, talking about S&M 
and uh, Garage Inc. But then you then that opens you up to a lot of other things. Like, do we also talk about S and M too? Do we also talk about the uh, Through the Never soundtrack? Do we, and so is there so many things that you would have to talk about? Which maybe we could do an entirely different episode where we do we rank all the non album. Metallica stuff, which I, I could see us doing that in the future. So we're sticking sure. with the 10 studio albums, and today is going to be number 10 down to number six, which um, if you guys are preparing for there to be any shit talking, uh, you are in the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> there, this is, this is if you listen to the last episode where, where I talked about Living Color, this is going to be even more of me gushing about a band um, so it's instead of the you know worst to the best, it is amazing to amaze balls, I guess, <laughs> as they say. Because <laughs> when you add balls to something, it makes it even better. Isn't that <laughs> isn't that right? <laughs> anyway, hold on, I'm gonna get a sip of coffee. And coffee, um, coffee song. Yeah, so yeah. Cotton. Fill the but, dead air. Do, yeah, I mean, do, do, I, do, do. I could have just edited it out, but now I edited it. I love that that I say that. Um, but now that you did that, I'm going to keep it in so everyone can hear your lovely singing voice. Um, so we usually start off with talking about where bands came into our lives. And I'm just going to do this quickly because I feel like from my end, I've talked about this a lot. But um, the first time I ever heard Metallica was late at night, one night, watching a show that I, I believe it was the show Night Flight that came on the USA Network and Night, Fight, uh, Night Flight played uh, kung fu movies and weird animation and music videos and everything. It just had it was a hodgepodge of, of different crazy stuff. And I remember one night when I was, I believe, 10 years old, seeing the music video for one and um, it, it scared me like I something about it. I remember liking it so much to where especially the second half of the song was just stuck in my head. I'm like, oh, man. But also it kind of scared me for some weird reason. I think it's because it's the first true metal song I ever really heard before that. It was, you know, Def Leppard, Guns N' Roses. You know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything super heavy. And not only is the ending of of one heavy, but it the video is also very dark. And so um, I didn't get into them right away because I was a little bit cautious. But then just like many other people, once the Black Album came out, I got the Black Album. I loved it so much that I started to go back and get all their other stuff. And I was like, everything this band has done is amazing. And they have been my favorite band ever since. Um, so, uh, so yeah. And then we, we move it over to Mr. Eddie Sparks who heard Metallica on GTA San Andreas. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is actually not one of those. Yeah. Funnily enough. All right. Fi- finally. Um, yeah, for me, Metallica was very early on in my, uh, in me becoming a metalhead. Uh, cause it's the, the very first like metal song i would say that really did it for me it was actually do hast by ramstein when i was about 11 years old ah and i okay i heard i heard that on uh guitar hero 5 and i was like oh dude where is this like you know heavy metal stuff been my whole fucking life and then not long after that i heard uh cigaro by System of a Down, and I thought, <laughs> "Oh shit!" There's That's like an funny odd lyrics to metal. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, there's like funny lyrics in some of these bands as well. Like obviously Metallica aren't known for you know funny lyrics, but at least it, not intentionally. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see, folks, now now it's, that's a, that's a thing to point out here is as much as like people shit talk Metallica, we I, I think we are both fans that are huge fans, but we also recognize uh, the the weak points and the funny moments in this band. Um, yeah. We're not just full on fanboys that praise everything they've done like they're perfect, but um, I, I, act, I actually do think that their missteps have made me a bigger fan. And so it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to 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 take the piss a little bit, as they say in your country. Exactly. Yeah. The piss take culture is is strong on this podcast. Yeah, but but, but it's uh, it's obviously with love. So anyway, um, it's all in good fun. You know what I was just thinking? Every time I think of Duhast, this is not this is a different topic here. And maybe <laughs> maybe you can do this for me because I don't know if somebody already did this, but every time I hear Duhast, I also hear the song The Bad Touch by the Bloodhound Gang. And I'm like, can those be put together? To where you've got the do, do host. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. Like, do you think that like that could be could that work? I will do some. I, I will, I'll crunch some numbers. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know why those two go together in my brain. And I don't. Maybe somebody already did it. But if not, I feel like that would be did the music from Do Host with the the stuff from Bad yeah. Touch on top of it. <laughs> I just think that that would be. Uh, and, and also seems kind of appropriate for for uh, yeah. for that band. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so this is we're wasting time because this is our. I know this is going to be long. Both of these episodes are going to be long. So get ready. Get your popcorn. Get your beer. Uh, get your get your groove on. I don't fucking know. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> we're going to be talking about Metallica. You didn't really even. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Um, so That's you, okay. So you. It was first. It was it was du, it was Duhast. Then it was Sigaro, and then you found Metallica. Yeah, so essentially what had happened was, you know, my uncle was still living with us at the time and he had uh the live ship binge and purge box set, which is uh-huh. which is now mine. Uh yeah. but it's like it's like the VHS original one. And I remember always seeing it on his shelf as a kid, and I thought, Haha, that's funny, it says shit on it. And then <laughs> you and then eventually I like kind of as as I got into like, you know, rock and metal, I went up to him and asked, Hey, Hey Justin, what's in that box? He was like, "I'm about to show you something really fucking cool," and uh, he said, "Right, take this tape, put it in the put it in the VCR, and let's just watch the o- the opening, you know, few songs from it." I was glued to the fucking screen. Which for the which whole, one was it? Was thing. it the was it the Justice concert? It was it was Seattle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so it was that one. So I saw um, Blackened, and I. Th- I was immediately, you know, yeah. glued to it. I, that was, I thought, that's a good intro. I thought, holy shit balls, you know. And like, how old were you at the time? Eleven. Okay. So I was like, All right. so we both we both discovered yeah. them around the same time. Yeah, because uh, what was it? Age, anyway. Uh, I had just. It's kind of funny actually, because like, it was a pretty overnight thing how my uh, obsession shifted because from about. 2005, all the way up to the day David Tennant stopped being the Doctor in Doctor Who. Doctor <laughs> Who was my obsession for five straight years. And then wow. I, got, I got Guitar Hero 
uh, Guitar Hero 5, like three days before David Tennant stopped being the Doctor on New Year's Day 2010, and they pretty much did a little crisscross, and within like a week, my uncle had burned me all of these like mixed CDs, um, and I just put everything on there onto my iPod, and I was like, this stuff is fucking incredible. And I remember like another, I think, I think I'm getting to the Metallica part of it now, uh, where I looked at my track listing and I, uh, by sheer chance, I, th- I saw a thing, a little track that said master of puppets. And I was like, Oh, M- master of puppets. That sounds disturbing. I want, <laughs> I want some of that put it on. And then it, it was almost kind of like one of those nice TV moments where like you put a pair of headphones on and it, transports you somewhere else completely yeah and it it was from that moment on i thought to myself this is fucking rad i i love this this is my favorite version of whatever this whole new world that's opened up to me is but yeah that's my little uh nice little love story with metallica interesting Um, yeah yeah um so all right well then cool and that brings us to now so for for Eddie, we're we're talking about I don't know ten ten years late. What are you twenty twenty three? Are you twenty three yet? Twenty three in literally five days now. And, oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. So so it's so it's been you know a little over ten years for you, and then it's been yeah a little a little, a little over thirty years for me being <laughs> into Metallica. <laughs> and so um, this will be interesting. Um, so with my ranking, as I usually try to do, cause I think when we first did this podcast a year ago, I went very personal. Like, how do I feel about these albums? Which ones do I want to listen to the most? And I put them in that order. But now as I've been doing this podcast, I always try to find that middle ground between how I feel and taking an objective look at the albums from, yeah. you know, what they did at the time. Was it a progression? Did they try something different? Was it successful? Um, all, all of these, all of these things, um, to, to, and so it's, it's been altered a little bit in order to fit that sort of middle ground. And I think I did it kind of well. Um, but as, <laughs> but as usual, I don't go first. I let Mr. Eddie Sparks go first. And so let's, let's get this shit started with the number 10 Metallica album. Okay, so you'll probably saw this one coming. I'm not going to beat around the bush. This one for me, I had to put St. Anger at the bottom. And okay, okay. I'm sure many that, people agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not me, like, you know, doing the, like, oh, St. Anger sucks because, you know, St. Anger sucks. I... Let's... I, Let's let's get let's this. get this all out of the way right now. Yeah, I, I'll yeah. just I'll go ahead and say it for everybody. Let me let me just run down the list of things. The snare sound on Saint Anger sucks. Lars is not a very good drummer. You can't hear the bass on Injustice for All. Uh, 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 Dave Mustaine wrote all the best songs. They haven't <laughs> been good since Cliff Burton died. They sold out with the Black Album. I live in my mom's basement. All right, so there we go. That's the. <laughs> Uh, that's the uh, we got it all out of the way so let's go uh, ahead and <laughs> jump into <laughs> into uh saint anger right on 
Uh, I was wondering how far back you were going to go. It's like, it's like <laughs> they eventually like getting there. They sold oh, out oh, when they put out an album. I forgot, <laughs> I, I forgot one. Kirk uses the wah pedal too much. <laughs> okay. Now we've got all of the trash talking points out of the way. I'm just going to very carefully explain why St. Anger is my least favorite. Okay. So I, f- I feel like, you know, my biggest gripes with this album is that there's a lot of length for what is going on. So yeah, yeah. F- my biggest gripe with this album is for me, I could maybe appreciate the production choices they'd made if they didn't decide to write a bunch of really raw punky almost stuff but make it the average length of a dream theater song every <laughs> single fucking time yeah so it was like when you there was got, little to no editing done in the songwriting yeah. process <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like um man when i listen to it i feel you know a fatigue that's induced by the sheer fact of this album could have been so much better if it was maybe half an hour shorter. And it would only take maybe shaving off fucking two minutes from each song <laughs> to, to make <laughs> yeah. that happen. And, you know, it really, it's a repetitive versus length ratio that I'm just not feeling with this one, but I'm going to do my track by track. So, uh, Frantic... I feel like they shot their load really early here because this is my favorite song on the record. You know, I would confidently put this on a greatest hits thinking, you know, they did something different, but this song does kind of rip. Um, yeah. St. Anger, I got to say, on the other hand, I'm not crazy about the title track, but I do love the part at the end where he goes, yeah. set it free! Yeah, you know, that is that. great. But it, But it's interesting, though, because... Each one of those tracks you just said, Frantic and St. Anger, they both have examples of a, a kind of silly lyric where in one case I think it works really well and in another case it doesn't. Whereas in Frantic, some people would say my lifestyle determines my death style is kind of dumb, but I really like that lyric. I, I don't know why it makes me smile. It's just so, it's so good. But then at the same time, I'm madly in anger with you is really is a little bit like all right who the fuck wrote that that's that's the one thing is that you know in the in in some kind of monster you see that everybody is writing lyrics and every time there's a including (laughs) phil and and every time there's a lyric that i go oh that's kind of dumb i'm all like who wrote this who because it ain't james i know it's not james and so uh, i always blame it on somebody else um that's just blame it on lars that's what everybody does anyway Okay, uh, I've got here, <laughs> I've got here at track number three, uh, Some Kind of Monster has excellent groove metal potential, but, you know, again, it suffers from being eight fucking minutes long. Yeah. You know, when when you think of the amount of, you know, content that they could put into a song like Master of Puppets and then stack it up next to stuff off of this album, it it, it really does kind of show that there are definite cracks at the time you know that 
they were staying true to to being unique but at the same time i feel like they also kind of conformed to a lot of stuff that was happening at the time you know no solos you know solos were out of style with the kind of new metal stuff that was going on at the time and even kirk says in some kind of monster that he feels like that would date the album and it has you know it, it yeah it it doesn't feel like an organic decision it feels more like the pressures of trying to fit in yeah i but, feel i feel like that they that they fucked up in that respect because i feel like i i get what both of them are saying because sometimes you hear a guitar solo and it feels like they just threw it in because there was supposed to be one not they but yeah. bands in general do that and then in other cases it you know so i think they should have been like is it is a solo appropriate here or not nah is it, it does it work here cool let's keep it but i guess maybe at the end of the day it, it they, they want to make it a cohesive vision and they're like yeah let's just let's just do away with them i mean at least in this case kirk actually played rhythm guitar on the album um yeah so he did so he is on it it's not like he's not on it at all because he didn't solo which is normally every metallic album except for three of them uh yeah kirk only plays the leads and solos and james does all the rhythms um just to make it seem sound tighter like that's where you get that fucking because you know james is one of the best rhythm players ever in my opinion and so yeah, it's a really tight sure. sound so but yeah, I really think that that maybe they should have met in the middle when it comes to the solo thing. But you know, it is what it is at this point. For sure, I th I think they could have like made a an argument for it being, you know, kind of tasteful. Like, where does it need to be rather than you know just completely cutting them out? Shit, there's a there's a there's a scene in some kind of monster where they're listening to Sweet Amber and you hear a little bit of a solo and it sounds cool. I don't yeah. know if you remember that part. Like it does the yeah. sweet amber, and then you hear like a and I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. And and then that part <laughs> is totally removed from the song. And I'm like, well, in that case, maybe they should have kept it because I sounded pretty cool to me. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I'd be inclined to agree. Uh, Dirty window. Now oh, this one, I love this that one. one. Do it does have some fun, like you know, riffs. Ah! Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's like the one of my fucking... favorite James things ever because it's completely out of character and it makes yeah. me so happy. It's kind of like he he just decided, "Hey, I'm the fucking Joker now." Like <laughs> it's called it's it's he did a fucking grito, which I you put me I guess you don't know what a grito is, but um I don't know if it was over there cuz over here in like Tejano like Tejano style music, you'll yeah. hear people do the and it's a it's a it's called a grito. And it's almost uh, like James Hetfield, I don't know if he knew that or not, and he just threw it into the song. And it's uh it, oh, I love it. It's I would never I, I want him to I want him to play that song live and do that part just because it would make me happy. <laughs> I, I know that it, as well, this is kind of off topic, but have you ever seen that uh that video of them playing Running with the Devil live? And he does like a, a David Lee Roth ad lib. <laughs> like whale at one point and no. it's shockingly fucking good i'm surprised he doesn't do like those yeah <laughs> like more because like it, he's actually good at it the, the, that video is fucking if awesome you're, if you're but, listening james more funny noises please hell yeah but uh there, there is one noise in the song i could live without is that i i oh, like okay, kind of on yeah. repeat like that part 
does kind of drive me a little bit nuts, but I suppose at the same time, it's, yeah, these, this, it's one of various reasons this one's at the bottom for me, but I do give this album an annual, uh, listen through to see, you know, mainly to unlock stuff, the memories that I'd perhaps forgotten. Yeah. Um, Invisible Kid, this one here is a prime example of way too repetitive for the length. A- absolutely. Like, I, aren't, isn't it the same verse, like, throughout? I like, believe, it yeah, like I believe it is the same, the same thing, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I think there may be one different one, and then they repeat the first one, something like that. I don't know. It does seem very repetitive, though. Yeah. Uh, my World has some fun, shouty vocal moments. It's my world. It's my world. It's my world, sucker! <laughs> it's so fucking. See, I like that too, because that, yeah. that's very out of character for for him. And I just there's a lot of things I feel like he was stepping out of his comfort zone in a lot of ways. And I, I, it's I, I love hearing it. I don't know. While we're on the subject of it, I because mm-hmm. I know we've made we've made this joke a few, a few times yeah. throughout the podcast. I gotta give some love to yeah, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If 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 people don't know what we're talking about, they did a they did a song with Jar Rule, isn't well, it? Well, like, it never came out, did it? I don't think it ever came out. It, 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 no, it got released. No it's way. It's on Spotify. I'm I've, pretty sure. It, I gotta yeah, go it's find on like a it. Mixtape. So in the so on the on the disc of bonus material for some kind of monster, they're in the studio while James is in rehab. And they're doing a song with Ja Rule. And yeah. they're, I guess they're using some music that they recorded during the St. Anger sessions and then Ja Rule's rapping over it. But the, yeah. the but the, yeah, the, I guess it's the conclusion of the song and you hear them recording it was just them going, yeah, yeah we did we it. That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking incredible. And it's, 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 it's almost just oh. like, like they, that was the that's like how uninspired can you be? It's a like, hey, we did we we're gonna do this song with Metallica and we did it. That's a really good way to end the song. <laughs> <laughs> just say we did it. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think it's on like a I can't remember what it is. It's like Swizz Beats like mixtape or some okay. shit. It's um, it, but yeah, it's it's got Jar Roll on it. It's, I can't fucking, believe I've never actually heard that. I gotta go find it and check check it out, and then it'll be yeah, my, it'll I'm, be my I'm new s- favorite song. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I can't <laughs> lie. <laughs> um, oh man, you, you got shoot me again. I ain't dead yet. Yep. Sweet Amber. Now, Sweet Amber has some cool riffage in it. Yeah, I gotta give credit where it's due. Um. The Unnamed Feeling. Now, this is the other song on here I would genuinely include in uh, Greatest Hits because this one, to me, it does feel very personal for James. Yeah. And it's also, it's also, in my opinion, I think it is a good song. Um, but, you know, in stark contrast, follow it up with Purify. Ah. I did, I, I, I did some... I did some digging though, and I found, and this is not me being swayed by you know public opinion or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I trawled through forums and found a staggering amount of people that think this is hands down the worst Metallica song. 
Like, no way. I, I shit you not, dude. There are a fuck ton of people in this world that really don't like this one. Like, even that's, I was surprised that's to insane. see, like, like it's it's not a song that I go back to often, uh, but the the thing is I didn't expect the sheer quantity of people to chime in. Yeah, purify, purify is the worst one, and it's like, okay, they they all seem like real confident. <laughs> I just I don't, but, I don't that that's the one they would pick. I just don't. That's make I, I don't know. That that I feel like they're very boring people. If that's the one that they picked as the worst. <laughs> Because at least it's got it's got a lot of good energy and it sounds it's a different sound. I mean, like I guess that's the thing with metal fans: don't do anything different. That is yeah. bad. Different, bad. Anyway, <laughs> Napster bad. Napster bad. Money good. Beer good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, th- those cartoons are funny as well. Like yeah. those those um, was it Camp Chaos Metallica? Like yeah, I don't know. It, the, the part that makes me laugh without fail every time is when Lars is like just spouting off a bunch of stuff and then he's like halfway through a sentence and crawls around the entire frame <laughs> of the video. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to personally put my foot up your fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty funny. Uh, I'm going to stick one of these downloads up your ass one USB at a time. <laughs> speaking of speaking of the Napster thing, it's still it's it is funny to me how to fa- just fans of music, it's still a point where everyone's like they suck for doing that. They're greedy. They suck. But then everyone who's in a band is all now yeah. like they were right. <laughs> yeah, they were. They, so like, it's like <laughs> so every time I see somebody talk shit, I'm all like, so clearly you hate all the bands you listen to because you're just like. They, they. I mean, th- sure, they may have been part of it. May have been them looking out for their own interests. Which, if if they don't do it, who the fuck's gonna do it? But then at the same time, it, it they. I don't know. It ended up benefiting in, in other people in a, in certain ways. And now, you know, twenty years later, you know, or whatever, yeah. you, all these people in bands are just like, well, yeah, we would. In the hindsight, we would have all sided with them, and they should have. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of one of the, it's like one of those frustrating moments in a horror movie, like, like where only one person sees the demon and no one else yeah. believes them. And it's like, I fucking told you guys, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, all, all within my hands, like closing it out. It does have like cool moments and no one can take away from that visceral ending of that song. Like, the girl, 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 his voice breaking as well. Like another, another not James Hetfield kind of thing that he did. Yeah. It, it's a very dry album as well. Like there's not a lot of bells and whistles to it. Like yeah. the vocals on it are pretty much as is. Also, I, I um, the, for all within my hands, I love the stripped down acoustic version of all within my hands. They did it. And yeah, uh, that was really cool. The, they did it on like the, a benefit show thing that's on vinyl. And then they also did it, I believe on S and M two and S and M two. Yeah. And I, I love it. I think I like it better than the actual album version. And I like the album version, but um, yeah. they've gotten really good at repurposing a few of their songs 
in more of an acoustic way where if somebody came to me and said, there's an acoustic version of blackened, I'd be like, get, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and then, but then I heard it. I'm like, I really like this. It doesn't t- it doesn't destroy the first song. I can still go listen to blackened, but now I'm like, I yeah. love that there's this different take on it and they did it pretty fucking well. But that's, no. that's, that's when re-recording a song is okay. Is when you're adding something completely different to it. Agreed. Like, because because we've said on this podcast many times we don't like it when especially in this case when a band does a greatest hits album but re-records all of the songs yeah so it's just like a slightly shittier version you know because yeah it's never as good there's never been a band covering their own song that was better than the original i i don't i find me an example (laughs) and i'll probably say you're wrong that's the thing. Like, I, I remember there's there's one thing in particular that bugs me. It, it was on I was on Spotify and I, I was listening to a like glam metal playlist on shuffle. Those bands what, are the are the most guilty of doing that shit. Yeah, yeah. and it's like I heard um, "Rock You Like a Hurricane" come on, and I was like, "Oh hell yeah!" And then like within two bars, I was like, "Oh, it's a re-recording." It's like, well, you know. That's this is just fucking revisionist history at this point because we're going back and we're fixing shit that isn't broken. You know? I well, you have to honestly. In some cases, I don't think they're trying to fix the song. I think that they had shitty record deals and now they're putting out new versions uh-huh. in order to make money off of it because they they can't get the rights to the original song or whatever. I know that there are some cases where that's why they did it. Um, yeah, it doesn't make it good. And they didn't get my money out of it, so I mean, <laughs> there you go. So are you are you done with with Saint Anger? That's that's me wrapping up Saint Anger. Awesome. Um, I'm not going to talk about Saint Anger right now because uh, I think it's much better than Eddie does. Um, the album that I have <laughs> in my number ten is one that I do see some people talk about as one that they really like, uh, but for many reasons, it's my number ten. Not saying that it's bad at all because there is no bad Metallica album. Um, sorry, folks, but there really isn't one. Uh, but my least favorite and the one that I think is the least interesting of the bunch is Reload from I knew 1997. It. It. <laughs> was it 97 that one came out, I think? Yeah. Um, and honestly, the the big reason why this comes in last is because it's the only album they've done where I can l- listen to it and go, this is more of the same. Now, the songs don't sound exactly the same as Load, but the same vibe is there. It was partially the same recording session i mean i know that they did more recording you know once they finished up the quote-unquote load uh album but to me it's like you're you're not getting anything new there's not really a progression and then overall the the actual collection of songs is stronger on load than it is on reload not saying there aren't strong songs on reload because there are in fact, when, I mean, I like all of them, but I do think that there's a lot more areas where I go, eh, this one, I could, I could probably not listen to this one today. Um, you know, and, but there, but there, that's another one of those weird things where I have to keep things objective because I know that some of these songs actually connect with people because people love like Fixer and some people love Low Man's Lyric, which to me is kind of boring when it comes to Metallica songs. But um, I I I like it mainly because I know Jim Martin is on it. Yeah, well, which I mean, is, okay, which is a okay, cool little an- anecdote. But, yeah, uh, yeah. But but what? So just the f- th- this was actually the album 
where I initially checked out of Metallica because I wasn't a big fan of Load, even though I grew to like it. Um, and then when Reload came out, I heard it, and I don't even think I bought it originally. Like I heard wow. somebody else's copy, and I went, "Yeah, I, I was the place I was in my life. I was just like, this isn't what I want from this band." And so was, I was this I moved around. On. Was it was this around the time that you were kind of falling out of metal? Because yes. I remember you saying yes. that ninety six was the last. Because we we did ninety six recently, and uh, you said something yeah. along the lines of ninety six was the last year where you were kind of excited about new things at the time. Yeah, yeah, ninety seven would have been when I I was playing in bands and we were doing more of like the street punk. The street punk, the skate punk kind of thing. Street punk it would be very different. <laughs> skate punk, <laughs> and all, and along along with that, I was listening to a lot of like post hardcore kind of shit. I was really into like Fugazi and stuff like that. Um, I the metal world wasn't doing anything that excited me, although I wanted it to. That's why that period yeah. of my life is so depressing because I wanted heavy <laughs> heavy music to be exciting. And for the most part, it wasn't like you'd hear albums here and there that were cool. But for the most part, I was like, ah, I have to find music somewhere else. And so from the, from around 97 to about 2002 or three, whenever, whenever Leviathan by, by Mastodon came out, that was kind of like my bringing me back into metal. So there was a good five years or so, but, um, but yeah, reload just, um, it, it's grown on me to where I do appreciate this, the, especially because I don't think they'll ever go back to making a sound like that again. So the fact that we do have two albums of that kind of material, I like that. I like that it's there to listen yeah. to. And honestly, on on shuffle, you know, if you if I hear you know blackened followed by the memory remains, I kind of go fuck yeah, man. I mean, because it's I like the variety. I'm a big fan of variety and bands trying different things. But at the end of the day, because I don't feel the songs are as strong on Reload and because it isn't some kind of a progression in one way or another from Load, it has to go at the end because it doesn't it doesn't excite me. Um, and it's and it does feel a little bit like Leftovers with some really strong songs. Um, but I mean, it's still a Metallica album, so it's still fucking amazing to me, but. Um, it had, it had, it had to go at the end for me. So that's, that's my number 10. Well, that's convenient because we're going to do a little, little piggybacking off of, off of yours because I'm going to talk about reload noise number nine. Um, here's the thing, like this album has its bangers, but as a whole, I feel like its predecessor had a better killer filler ratio. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah. I I do agree that it has it has like the same vibe but less moments that stand out. So you know, fuel is is fun, but I definitely feel like I've always felt like with fuel, people love it, but I feel like there's a certain like <laughs> there's like a smart bar that I have to lower a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, you're right. It, you know, because it, it's, it's not fucking cryptic at all. You know, even stuff on the Black Album, it was still like, it was still very cryptic and, and introspective. But like, I mean, obviously there are some on the nose moments on it, but this one is like right in your face. You know exactly what this yeah. is about. It's, it's a song about going fast. And, you know, 
I like a lot of music about just going fast. Hell I'm yeah, a hell fucking yeah. like I'm an eighties fan. All that music is about being really strong and really fucking quick, you know? <laughs> and the thing is, with that, it feels weird for me to hear this coming from Metallica, like, because the... I don't know how to describe it. It's because it does sound like they're having fun, but I. I don't know whether or not it's just the sheer bar that they'd kind of set themselves. So to hear them do something a little bit more caveman, let's just have some fun well, kind shit, of thing. I, I'm with you. Once once we get to talking about load, I'll talk about some of that because it, I because I feel exactly the same way. Where you started to hear things where you're like, this seems like the like a step down, um, especially lyrically for James Hetfield. Yeah, it's it's kind of like he he went from like a a, a wise, uh, old, weathered sage back to like a teenage boy, and it yeah. was kind of like, yeah, that there are some real moments like that across load to, and reload. To be honest, though, I I have to admit, every time I sing along to that song now, I I always sing it as "Gimme Daba Jabaza," like I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't actually say the words because it's so funny to me. <laughs> Give me food, give me fries, give me salad on the side. Yep. <laughs> it's another good run. I saw yeah. I saw them play uh, Fuel before, I think before it had a name on the Load Tour. I saw them on oh, that shit. tour, and they actually played that song. Because I remember it really stuck out. I was like, oh, this is kind of a, a cool rocking kind of number. Um but then later it showed up on on Reload. But I mean, I don't know. It's I've always it's always been like a really fun song to me, and I don't yeah. mind song. If I mean, if you're gonna yeah, if you're gonna mind the lyrics about cars, then you. How many bands have done that? Like even Megadeth did that early on in the '80s and writing a fucking song yeah. about driving a car. But um, I don't know. It's like that's that almost seems like a very American thing to do. Is there a big car culture in England, or is that a an American thing. I think the unfortunate thing about British car culture is that you'll get someone. They're all they're all painted like the Union Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, right? I, I'm I'm very I'm very American in my car taste. You know, I like I like big and I like cool looking. And the thing is, over here, it's like. If 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 they haven't got a Subaru Impreza or a fucking BMW that they've slammed to the ground and given way too much fucking nitrous, you know, <laughs> for the country lanes that they're about to drive it down, you know, the the thing is, I feel over here like I've always been like a fan of muscle cars and things like that. You don't yeah. really see much of that over here, but. Like, over here, it tends to just be, like, BMWs and Subarus, and I'm, like, I'm kind of bored of seeing these these things, because, like, I remember there was, like, a meet-up at the, like, right next to the um, store that I work at, and it was literally just car a car park full of Subarus, and it, it wasn't <laughs> specifically a Subaru meet, but there were, like, there was the odd B BMW, but for, for me personally, I, th I find American cars much more fun to look at. You know, yeah. they have a lot more character, whereas over here, it's I, I, I do find that it's a lot, for want of a better word, I feel like a lot of them are chavs, too. So it's like <laughs> it's, yeah, that's another symptom of it. 
like the the worst thing I've ever seen was like a really badly spray painted all black with a giant monster energy drink sticker on it and it was oh, like God. a shitty sh- shitty little voxel corsa which is like a fucking two door hatchback that your mum drives and it's, <laughs> it's it it was a disappointing sight to say the least i mean i i'm not really like uh, an experienced car guy by any means. I, have no, my I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not either. Like, my my car experience goes about as far as I like the Fast and Furious movies, <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's it. That's as far as it goes. For me, it's just like cars that played a prominent role in '80s TV shows. So, Trans Am's, Testarossas, Countach's, those sorts of things. But yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much it for me. <laughs> so yeah, so um, it does it does seem like a thing where you do. There are a lot of bands that did car songs. I love that we're just on fuel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we haven't gone any any further. Here's the thing as well. Like the first time I ever heard "Memory Remains," I actually thought he was. And bear in mind, cut me some slack. I was eleven. Yeah, I thought he was said farting fame, and I was like, ha, he said farting like. <laughs> farting fame <laughs> yeah i just thought he was talking i just thought he was talking about like famous people who were up their own ass and it was just kind of a play on words at the time right <laughs> yeah it's my cute little kid brain being an idiot but yeah yeah good luck on hearing that by the way yeah uh, <laughs> no, i'm sure i'm sure i'll hear it next time uh but yeah th- that riff though like there's a lot of real bluesy grunged out sabbathy ones yeah on both load and reload and this is one of them and then we get devil's dance now that fucking groove this is one of my favorites uh, from the load era um it's so fucking down and dirty it's awesome uh unforgiven too i feel like it's underrated uh it's not nearly as good as the first but yeah. it's also it's also nowhere near as bad as some people make it. Plus, I I like the no. use of that B Bender guitar. Uh, yeah, and I and I and I've always liked how it's it's the the inverse or whatever of the original song where the Unforgiven yeah. is is loud verses and quiet choruses, and this one is quiet verses and loud choruses. Um, it and I I like that, but the honestly the the only thing I've ever thought I would like them to change is that I'm okay with it being called The Unforgiven 2, but why did he have to say that in the song? Why does or it have to you be, You're Unforgiven 2. And I'm just like, okay, yeah. well, let's... You could have done a different <laughs> lyric there and just called it Unforgiven 2, and I would have been fine. But I guess in the original song, you do say, he says Unforgiven, so I guess you have to... If you're going to make it Unforgiven, <laughs> say Unforgiven in it, you know? It, I've got to be honest, though, it does sound a little bit more, like, shoved in. It was like... Yeah. We're, yeah. Well, what, what's, like, a clever wordplay we can do? Well, it's the second Unforgiven song. How, how about we say, how about you're Unforgiven too? Like, Whoa, like also. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're unforgiven also. <laughs> you're unforgiven also as well. Just like are you me, un- you are unforgiven. Uh, we, we need to really mine the uh the alternate realities of, of the load era. Yeah. 
but, villain but you, of the day. But I uh, I agree I agree that uh, that it is it is kind of underrated. It was underrated by me at first. At first I wasn't into that song, but later on I kind of heard it and went oh there. Uh, I I think a, a big thing about both of the Load albums is that there are some guitar parts that you don't really pick up on at first because sometimes they're buried yeah. in vocals or whatever. But you listen to like you know, some chords that are being played or some melodies that are underneath it. And, I, and those are the things that reveal themselves later on. And I go, Oh, it's kind of cool that they threw that in there. And you don't even know. It's just part of the song. It doesn't, they're not trying to show off any one particular thing aside from the vocals, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. They do do a good job of like layering things on these albums. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot more like flavor to the, to the guitars in the left and right too, because one is James, and one is Kirk. It feels looser and more vibey as a result. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then you get better than you, which you know fucking rules. I never skipped this one, and it was it was nominated for a Grammy, wasn't it? Or it did win a Grammy. Oh, I don't know. Did it? Yeah, like not, that's yeah, not that's it, not the song off this album. I would think won a Grammy, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I I don't know if it was even like released as a single. It just it just got it. It's like the only single in that case that didn't have a video off of these okay. albums. Um, now you get to Slither. Now, this is where things get a little bit hazy for me. There's like a four-song consistency drop here for me that puts it lower than load. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you got Carpe Diem Baby. It, it's a moody, slow rocker. Bad Seed is a groovy one. Um, Bad Seed is... It, it, the- if if I'm thinking of it right, that's the one where the riff. I'm always like, this is Inner Sandman. <laughs> they just played it yeah. differently. Yeah, it's it's strange. Um, where the wild things are is cool as well. But I, I, I like I, that one because it sounds it sounds like them trying something new. Just the the way the, thing, the way yeah. that it sounds overall. I'm always like, yeah, that I like that. Yeah, I put I put it here. I, f- I find it more memorable because it's weird. It's not a song I revisit outside of a full album listen, but mm-hmm. I appreciate that it doesn't sound as like you know, like it's already happened. Yeah, compared to the previous two, uh, Prince Charming is a, is a fun up tempo one. Um, now, Low Man's Lyric featuring Jim Martin. Is Jim Martin playing the hurdy-gurdy in no, this? No, I think somebody else plays the hurdy-gurdy. Let me, let me take a look real quick. Does it actually say? I don't know. I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking Jim Martin is an, is an interesting character, is, is what made me think that perhaps. No, it says David Miles. It says David Miles. On, on the wiki, it doesn't list Jim Martin at all. So, Does it not? Uh, no. That's so, strange. I have no idea. But, I mean, maybe he's uncredited. But, yeah, it says David Miles plays the hurdy-gurdy on Low Man's Lyric. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, he's in there somewhere. Jim Martin has to be. I've, I've heard it on Metal Up Your Podcast. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure he is. Right on. But, yeah, that's... Uh, it's a cool little moment. Um, but then you get Attitude. Now, Attitude, unlike Fuel, this one just feels, like, natural to me. But... That could be because it's one of the closest things Metallica ever made to an eighties hard rock kind of thing. Like I, <laughs> I do get a lot of those. Like yeah. I could hear the Bullet Boys um, playing this. You know, I I get those kind of like hard as a rock vibes from this oh, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, closing out with Fixer. 
which is a slow Sabbathy closer track. This album is cool, but it, it it it's even called Reload. It's like it's already happened. Yeah. So that's why I feel like it it it's not as much of a a one two punch. I mean, it's all it's all it happened twice on Load. If you if you talk about the the, the, the there's like each the end of each half of Load has a song that's very similar, yeah. and then Fixer is very similar to those two songs. So it's it's fine. It's still good. I mean, I, I get it, but it's it, it is like okay, we've kind of heard this kind of thing before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is my that's my number nine with Reload. Awesome. Um, so that's that. Obviously, I already talked about that, but I'm we're not even going to be crisscrossing here um, because my so this is this was the one place I think that I really did the most thinking about where I wanted to put things. And um, after having a little bit of time with this album, I think I've, I, I've, I've figured it out. And so my number nine is uh, Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Number nine? Number nine, which is the, wow. the, the most recent album that they've done. Now, like, don't get me wrong, like, I love this album. It's great. Now, in in a little bit of a contrast between it and death magnetic, this one had to grow on me a little bit. Some of the songs did, whereas death magnetic, we'll get to that one later. That's one that immediately I was all about, but, um, I I even remember like when they were premiering the songs, like first they premiered hardwired. That's the song hardwired. And I remember thinking, this is cool, but not amazing. Like I'm, I like that. I like the energy, and it's fun, but it's not amazing. And it wasn't until they released the Moth into Flame video that I went, "Oh shit, this is good. <laughs> this is good songwriting. It's, it sounds like it could fit in between Justice and the Black Album, I guess. You know, and um, I just think it's great. So the reason why I ended up putting this album at number nine. Um, and part of this came from um, uh, something that um, Howard H. Smith from Acid Rain said to me about it. Because because he, I'm a big Metallica fan, and so is he. But I think he is also he's very critical of them in some respects, uh, more so than I am. And a thing that he brought up that that I went, "You're fucking right." Was he said that this is the Metallica album where there's a whole bunch of parts that sound like other bands. Like this is the Black Sabbath part. This is the, yeah. the you know, the, <laughs> this is the merciful fate part or whatever, you know? And I'm, and I, when I listen to it, I go, that's what it is. It's got these parts where I go, this, it, I, it, it's the first Metallica album where I go, this sounds like this other band, or this sounds like another part. Cause even though everyone went on load, like they just want to be like grunge or something, it still doesn't sound like other bands in 1996. Yeah. But this one has moments where I go, yeah, it's a, it, it's not as special because it it reminds me of another band and not Metallica. Uh, but on top of that, though, it does have it has a few songs that I wish were better. Um, Murder One is not that great of a song, and I wish that it was better because it's a Lemmy tribute song. Um, yeah. Same thing goes for like Here Comes Revenge. There there are some songs that just feel like that ah, that could be better. They could have done better with that. 
but there are some fabulous songs and there are even some songs that I think overall are just pretty good, but then have amazing moments in it. Like one of my favorite moments in the album, and you could say this is a very not Metallica moment too, is in the song. Um, fuck, I'm spacing on names right now. (laughs) Motherfucker. It's not called motherfucker. It is called (laughs) am I savage? Am I savage? Is just, Yes, that that like it's one of the heaviest riffs I think they've ever written, and and every time that pops up, I'm just like this. It it gives me goosebumps. I'm like that's so fucking good. And even if it does (laughs) seem a little out of character, like it's not the kind of riff Metallica would have written. I can't. It doesn't immediately make me think of some other band. It just makes me go, oh, that was unexpected, and so. There's, there's, there's basically all those things I said. It's a collection of those where I think a song is really good. I think a song is just okay. Or a song is good, but has moments that I think are great. Um, but overall, like I look at these and there's not, there's, when it comes to Metallica, the fucking shit that they had made, you're weighing all of that against some of these tracks. And I go, yeah, um, confusion doesn't really stand up when you put it next to master of puppets, if you put those two together, the scale is just held down into the ground (laughs) by the weight of master of puppets (laughs) and confusion has just flown off into the sunset. Um, but you know, there are songs I love. Like I said, I love moth into flame. I think Atlas rise is great. I think halo on fire is fucking great. And of course I think everybody across the board thinks that spit out the bone is great because it, it fucking is. It's, that seems to be a pretty universally loved track. Yeah, yeah. Like, right across the board. So even though this is number nine, I do have to admit that I like it more now than I did when it came out. It really, the things that I didn't like as much have grown onto me to where now I feel it, it fits in more with Metallica in the way that I just love hearing them play shit. And so the songs that I didn't like as much, I now just enjoy them for what they are. But I really do think that as an album, it's the, it's, it's not as strong as as Death Magnetic, and be, so because of that, it had to be knocked down a notch. I mean, you could probably say that if you're well, – we'll get to the production on Death Magnetic, but I guess if you're comparing the two, this one in certain ways sounds better, although I don't really like the snare sound on this album. It's a little too – there's too much not, – there's not enough bottom end on the snare, because if you listen to the snare on like the black album, like that fucker oh. is thick. This one is a little yeah. more like it's it you it gets especially because Lars uses the snare so much. Like he's yeah. he doesn't do a lot of tom stuff. Occasionally he does, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's usually some sort of roll on the snare or something. And so you when you hear the snare so much, you're like, ah, oh, it's it's can they add a little bit more thickness to it a little or, or something? But <laughs> Um, that could also be my old man ears, I guess. And I just, I, I like things to have a little more low end to them, but, um, but yeah, it's just a, it's a great album. Like I, I, I still, it, when it came out, it was still my favorite album of the year cause it's fucking Metallica. But, um, yeah. I really do hope that when they come back, um, with another album, it's a little more, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Like I want it to be, I want them to shave off the edges a little bit more. Um, I don't want it to just feel like a collection of songs. I want it to feel like an album. And this one doesn't really feel that much like an album. It's just a collection of amazing to good 
songs. And so that's why it's it's my number nine. I think how I, I never ever heard it is, is them sounding like uh, other bands. I did, however, get a big vibe of they've kind of cherry picked moments from their career. That so too. It was like, yeah, yeah, that, that's more of what I picked up on. I was like, Dream No More is fucking sick, but it could definitely fit in with like Load Era. Yeah. Um, and then you'd get like spit out the bone, where it, which is like that could have easily been on justice. And you've got all of these different like moments that you, I, I suppose you would think, fuck yeah, like a hybrid Metallica album of everything they ever did. Hell yeah, but it, it also it also does make it it creates a consistency issue where you get honed in on one vibe and then another vibe comes along and kind of clashes a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and, and then in some cases, cause well, I saw them on the tour for this album and I, I'm not a really big fan of now that we're dead, but when they played it live, they did that thing where they split off to the drums. They're each playing a drum. And I yeah. was like, that's fucking fun, man. Like that's that, that show was so much fun because of all of the elements. Cause it wasn't, obviously it wasn't the kind of show they did for the movie for, for through the never. Yeah. But they did the same kind of thing where songs would ha- occasionally have a different vibe going on. Like when they did moth into flame, they had these weird light up. Uh, what do you call those, those, the drones, they were like light up drones yeah. that flew around in a pattern above them. And I was like, that's fucking cool. Uh, and it's, it's almost like they've they've become so good at knowing how to give you your money's worth out of a show. Like, yeah, for yeah, sure. Sure, you're gonna get you know songs you love, and in my case, some songs that I wish that they wouldn't play all the time. Like, I don't really want to hear Inner Sandman live again, um, <laughs> but I know they have to play it. I don't fault them for playing it because every show is somebody's first Metallica show, and I would not want that person to show up and not hear inner Sandman because it's their most you know, famous song really. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, some songs like translated really well to the live, uh, format. And so, um, I mean, I don't know. I, it is, it, it, once again, it's just me. I feel like I'm backtracking because I'm like, Oh, I do like things about this album because I do, but you know, we're getting onto albums that I have a lot more nice things to say about after this. Well, I actually got this, uh, t-shirt from the, uh, Twickenham, uh, stadium gig that they did oh okay and um i remember going because it was my first ever metallica show 2019 which you know happened you know months before you know all the covid shit took off yeah which i'm very thankful that i got to see metallica before all this shit happened um but like my the biggest thing I remember because I was actually like way up in like the seated area. I was actually looking down on like the whole thing, mm-hmm. which I'm actually thankful for because some people will say, "Oh, you were in a seated thing. You didn't get the full energy." It's like I was still there. Fuck off. I, 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 w- I was like, in a seat, and honestly, you look down at the people in the standing area, and none. There's no mosh pit. <laughs> no. If, if there is, it's really little. It's a bunch of people with their fists in the air, and it's old people. So it's like, yeah. give, give me a seat so I can sit down when, when Jim Brewer's up there talking before their show. I don't know if he was the opener at your, at your, your show, but the opener was I Jim said, Brewer doing comedy, which was okay. Well, uh, ours was, uh, we had uh, Bocasa and then Ghost and then Metallica came on. Oh, okay. But like the, one of the biggest things that sticks out in my memory of it 
just cycling back to Moth into Flame. I've got plenty to say about Moth into Flame when we get to it, but I wanted to say this soon as we're on the topic. Um, what really stood out to me is when they played Moth into Flame, did they have for yours the giant flame that shoots back and forth across the stage? No, no, they didn't have that. We had a ours had like this pyro fucking thing that shot this massive. Did they flame also have the the, the drone things or no? Yeah, okay. they had the drone things, and they also had these big ass pyro towers that shot giant flames out of them. Yeah, they had pyro but, during the show, but I don't remember one during Moth into Flame. I think it was just the drones. Yeah, it was there was this like line of it, it was like just a giant Zippo lighter that would just go like sweep across the stage, and there was a point where Kirk was being chased by it. And I, I thought, oh, fuck. Am I about to see him get, like, incinerated? But the thing that that, that um, stood out to me the most is throughout that entire display, James was way out in the front next to the snake pit <laughs> the like, entire fuck fucking time. Yeah, well, he's been set on fire before, so I was thinking this whole time, I, I kind of whispered to my girlfriend who was with me, I was like, you want to know why James is so far away from the stage right now? Because <laughs> he doesn't want yeah. the song to be James into the flame. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, been there, done that. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, so my number eight uh-huh. is Death Magnetic. Oh, okay. Okay. So I've placed this one here based largely on the production paired with the length of the darn thing. And mm. it's unfortunate because I seriously love some songs on here, but yeah. it it's the, again, like I mentioned last time, that kind of clippy, like brick walled to shit, zero dynamic range. It's just like very straight the entire time. There's like yeah. no air to breathe. Um, I have, like, to, that's I, have the to, thing. I have to say something about that since it's since it's been brought up. Um, I, I've been thinking about that because when the album first came out, I clearly heard what you're talking about. And, and, and it, when I heard the first track they released, when I heard The Day That Never Comes, I was like, why is it clipping in part of the song? And um, then the album came out. I bought the album the day it came out. And I... And it, you could hear it. Like, I remember I played it a lot in my car stereo because I was driving around a lot. And um, and I remember hearing that go, that's an odd... Did they not know that it was doing that? That's really weird. But literally, that's as far as my thoughts went about the sound of the album. And I was like, well, why? Why is it that I don't really care that much? I mean, probably because the songs to me were so exciting. But also... That's the thing. I feel like... And I say we, I mean, music fans in general, I think we've become very spoiled with modern technology because yeah. there are plenty of classic albums with huge recording flaws from back in the day and nobody says shit about it. And so I'm just like, get over yourself. It doesn't, <laughs> it's just like, not every album needs to be the most amazingly recorded album you've ever heard. Because honestly, shit that people think is well recorded sometimes to me sounds sounds sterile and boring. Oh, um, I would take, I would take like a flawed, but with personality recording over a completely sterilized, yeah. sanitized 
like nothing wrong with it mix any day of the week. Yeah, like, but, on, but I, on, this, on the same token, I can understand people's gripes about this. I'm stuck in the middle because I'll hear somebody say that and I'll go, yeah, it could have been better. Do I care? No. The album is what it is. And to me, I think I've said this every time I've talked about Death Magnetic. To me, that became a character in the album where it almost felt like, because to me, this was the album where I was so excited that I was like, Metallica is back, motherfucker. And I wanted to tell everybody. I played songs for this album to so many of my friends. And that vibe with that flaw in the album made it always made it feel like my car stereo speakers could not contain this music. So it was crackling. And so I've always been like, that's yeah, I like that. I'm sure it wasn't intentional. And um, (laughs) would I, would I enjoy a better mixed version? Sure. But I I wouldn't change it. I like it as it is. Well, that's the thing I was, I was going to drive out here is I'm going to say a lot of very positive things about the songs because with regards to songwriting, the jump in quality from St. Anger to this is fucking astonishing. Yeah. It's it's simply the fact of, you know, when I get when I get to uh All Nightmare Long, I'm thinking, oh. you know, the like that that's the thing. Uh, with regards to the production, I do experience like that mid album, the mid to late album fatigue, even on like the good songs, because I'm thinking, fuck, you know, I'm, I want to listen to the rest, but I am tired, you know, it's, <laughs> it's you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like this album is running a marathon and sprinting the entire fucking time, you know, because it's like, yeah, the songwriting is awesome. And but it's just the sheer fact that everything is up to ten and never ever comes down. Yeah, <laughs> There's like, yeah. like, like even in the um, even in the part the the slow parts in uh, day that never comes, the fucking snare is still clipping. Yeah, so it's, it's still like, loud. <laughs> could you not turn that down a little bit like damn but but but, but um, to to be fair we've talked about this before rick rubin uh produced a lot of albums with that problem and yeah i mean there's slayer out there's a slayer album i can think of that has that problem there's a there's a, a system of a down album there's a there's a lot of albums with rick rubin's name on it that clip all to fuck the whole time californication (laughs) <laughs> California Cash. Oh, it's a horrible yeah. one. Yeah. Man. But it, but it's weird because he's done some really amazing sounding shit and then stuff like this where I go, I don't know whose fault. Who I don't know who to blame. Like, do I blame the guy that was the engineer? Do I blame Rick Rubin? Like, who made that choice? But at the yeah. end of the day, I'm glad it doesn't bother me that much because I this is the most I've thought about it in years. <laughs> that's, that's the thing as well. Like, when I first heard this, I was like... I, I was reassured because I was 12 years old. I got this album on my uh, on my 12th birthday nice. and I heard it and I'd heard all of the other Metallica albums pretty much at that point and I was like, okay, so St. Anger was kind of... It's, it's, at the time, I wasn't thinking it was bad. It was just like not what I wanted to hear from Metallica compared yeah. to like, you know, Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, Justice, the Black Album, Kill Em All. But then when I heard this, I was like... This is the closest to that stuff that I've heard, you know, since, you know, at least 88, 
yeah. 91, around that, you know, and then, you know, especially coming in with That Was Just Your Life, like, God damn, yeah. what an opener. Uh, one of easily one of my top five modern Metallica tracks. Um, also, like and, the the uh, the one thing that I also remember when this when I first heard this album, I was like, man, James sounds like he de-aged about ten years on this yeah. album. Like he sounds amazing on this. I think, I think that's just his health showing as well. Because like if if you remember, he was like really thin around this time too. Yeah. Um, like he'd clearly been. Uh, behaving himself in the realms of you know staying sober and whatnot, he was as far he, as we know doing yeah. something. Yeah, well that's that's the thing, especially talking like two thousand eight after yeah. like after the uh, seventy five minute therapy session that is Saint Anger. <laughs> you know, they had to kind of come back swinging uh, in a in better shape. Mm-hmm. So you know, end of the line. It's got some cool riffage on it. Broken, beaten, scarred. Now, this one has some cool riffs again, but I love how blatantly, grammatically incorrect it is, yes. but it doesn't care. Yeah. It doesn't give a fuck. Like, Absolutely. it's so... It, it, it almost feels like... <laughs> it almost feels like when, like, ripped dudes are like, you don't need brains when you got this. Yeah. And it's like... It, and that line, what don't kill you, make you more strong. And it's like, yeah. obviously, it's like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But it's like... I, I love it. I, it's it's yeah. great. It's it, it, I don't know why it just... It's it feels, brutal. It feels absolutely perfect for the song. That's the thing. Like, there's certain caveman qualities to, to Metallica every now and again that I'll think, that's so fucking primal that well, you it got, speaks to you that, that's like, the thing the best metallica to me is always like hetfield he, he's a really good lyric writer because i like he does wordplay where he sometimes especially in the in the 80s he would use words that most people didn't use you know yeah. like if i remember right there's a there's a uh what fucking song is it on injustice <laughs> for all is it the shortest straw where he says uh vertigo it doth bring he uses the yeah. word doth and like who the fucking use who the fuck uses the word doth man I sound like <laughs> Lars but he would do that but then at the same time he would have these lines that were so on the nose badass metal at the same time yeah. like he found this weird middle line middle ground between doing these really great well written lyrics and then you take a song like end of the line I don't know why I I, I always just love it's so just the fact, the way that it goes along with the beat, with the, you've reached the end of the line. Of the like line. like yeah. every time that happens, I'm like, that's so good. But it's not as poetic as some other things that he's written. But I, I like that. I want that in my metal. I want some fist in the air kind of shit sometimes. That's the thing. Like, I feel as though, I feel like Kill em All era, James never went away. He just became a little bit reclusive. So yeah, yeah. every now and again, you'll get these like, um, like if you look at the lyrics on Kill 'Em All, some of them are like very, I am metal and I am fucking rad because of it, you know. Yeah, and and yeah. then very very quickly they shed that and went down like the you know full on Dungeons and Dragons, you know, kind of stuff, and you know politics and war and all other things but the sophistication 
matched with the understanding that it also needs to be brutal at the same time has always made their vibe stand out, I yeah. think. Because you've got some bands that stick to one of them and goes really fancy and really um, conceptual. And then you've got the other ones that are like, we have this thing, we like going fast and drinking fucking beer and we're not going to evolve past it because we're too fucking yeah. good at it, you know? Um, but like, I've, I've never got that vibe from them, even though that they have the capacity to do both extremely well. Like, for example, you got day that never comes. Now I've got, I've actually got kind of a funny story about day that never comes. All right. So, uh, my cousin, uh, who, uh, has, you know, some extended family in New Zealand, um, they would go over there pretty regularly. And there was a wedding one time and said people getting married were big Metallica fans. And they had the day that never comes the intro to that play as they walked down the aisle. Yeah. But the, <laughs> they didn't turn it off in time and it literally went born to push you around and then just stopped it. Yeah. Cause that's not a, that's not a love song. <laughs> no, <laughs> but they, they liked the intro, but then forgot to like turn it off before the lyrics happened. Like I remember my cousin said he cracked up, but um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, me and me and my cousin got some good good music memories together. R- riding riding the bus into school, listening to fucking Ugly Kid Joe and whatnot. But yeah, awesome awesome times. But yeah, Day That Never Comes definitely feels like a hybrid of Fade to Black and One. Like yeah. so, it's got yeah. it. It's got like Fade to Black and One are kind of structured similarly, but have different vibes. This kind of feels like both at the same time. Uh, but then this one here is my favorite track on the album, All Nightmare Long. Yeah. Favorite song favorite song on this album. I used to fantasize about playing this in a band on the stage at my high school. Uh, I My school was totally fucking lame when it came to talent shows and shit. So you'd be like, oh, no metal, none of that, none, no, no, no. Yeah. And it was like, oh, oh fuck off. Like... And you, you would get, the, I think the worst part about it is that there was like, there were like three 13 year old girls that got up and sta- got up on stage. Like they would pretty much let 13 year old girls lip sync to WAP, but they wouldn't let me play a Metallica <laughs> song. Like that's yeah. the sort of shit that they would pull. And it was like, you would really rather have this represent the school than this that like, is that I, i'm gonna have to i'm gonna call you out here that is the most boomer you've ever sounded yeah <laughs> yeah but they, they let them do what but they don't let them do metal yeah it, it, i i stand i stand by my boomerisms on this that one. was legit I'm, I'm, that was legit old man vibes right there god gosh darn kids <laughs> these days because that's literally <laughs> the arguments that you hear nowadays like why is wap okay but we can't have metal i'm like you can have metal there's just not good metal <laughs> bands now there's just, there's a few <laughs> but let's not let's not talk about that anyway but, uh, <laughs> but yeah all nightmare long to d- just just to blow a little bit of my load on before talking about this album, which I'm not talking about yet. Um, you go for it. This is the one. Like there were so many tracks in this album when I first listened to it all the way through that I was just so excited about and so happy with. But there's a moment 
and all nightmare long that I started tearing up and laughing while crying while it was happening. And it's that middle part where it, where it, it builds up and then it goes to that riff where it goes, and it does a little quick, like the tempo goes weird for a second, or the timing goes weird. That whole period of the song, I just remember, I was like, this is like, because I immediately felt like how I felt back in the day listening to Metallica. And I was like, oh my God, it's like, so there's so few times in your life that you really get to feel something again. And yeah. that was a moment of me immediately. That was me shifting right back into being a huge Metallica fan. Cause I was already back on board with them and I had always been somewhat of a fan and interested in what they were doing. But that was the moment where I was just like, that's it. That's, that's it. This is, this is the feeling, and they are the only band that gives me this exact feeling. And so this is a song that I just... On to also, the music video for this song is fucking badass. Yeah. And and I, I've never been able to find information on who did it, because I don't know if the animation is something that already existed or if it was done specifically for it, but it is so cool. And I don't hear anybody talk about that video, but it is so fucking cool. And I know little, little to nothing about it, like where it came from or who did it. Yeah, I need to go back and watch it because I haven't seen it in like years. But like, it's the so part cool. that the part in this song that really gives me the goosebumps every time. I'll be honest, you know, despite my issues with the production, there's a lot of goosebump-inducing awesomeness on here. Yeah, and. That was just your life has done it for me in the past. Uh-huh. The ending today that never comes has done it for me in the past. Yeah. The biggest one on here, how even the Judas Kiss has done it for me in the past, but all nightmare long, consistently without fail, the part after the solo with the like that also, always struck also me we gotta so give some majestic. props since we were talking about badass metal moments how can you not smile when you hear uh, but your luck runs out like how, <laughs> just that delivery I love when James Hetfield becomes full on like he's he's being the most James Hetfield he can possibly be. Yeah. He's just like, you know, it's like, I'm James Hetfield, but I'm going to sing it like quote unquote James Hetfield now. <laughs> yeah. So I love that kind of shit. It's, it's almost like he's assumed his final form. And yeah. Finally, yeah. Final <laughs> let's. That is Voltron coming together finally. <laughs> <laughs> that is a dated reference. I mean, the Power oh. Rangers. <laughs> uh, I would pay good money to hear them cover the fucking uh power rangers theme go go power rangers ah! <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> that'd be sick um cyanide now this mm-hmm. one had to grow on me but it is catchy like it's definitely one of those sing-along ones have you ever um, have you ever read or noticed that the intro to the song is the morse code for sos no, actually, but I totally hear it. It's SOS at the beginning of the song. That's fucking cool. A little bit of Morse code in there. Hell yeah. It's a good song. It's funny you should mention Morse code. 
uh, I'm going to unleash a little bit of music knowledge onto the world. Oh, shit. Morse code, Morse code, right, is great for coming up with interesting drum fills. Like, I, you just, like, type out a word, have it translated into Morse code, and then just, like... Copy and paste the, it <laughs> yeah, into the drum loop. literally. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, such a, it's such a useful tool. That is a cool but, idea. Um, yeah, I remember my, uh, we were taught to, like type out our names in morse code and like it was like a college experiment uh that we did one lesson and Mm -hmm. we were like hey let's let's make like drum beats using our names in morse code and i'll have to find it because my my particular drum fill was like we put it to like a an edm kind of thing and we Mm -hmm. turned it into like an almost the mortal Kombat theme kind of thing it's really cool yeah um I've still got it somewhere. I'll upload it at some point. I'm interested. Uh, to, I'm going to go look that up and see if I can find what my name is in Morse code. That's pretty cool. Hell yeah. Um, oh, man. It, at least on Unforgiven 3. <laughs> he, <didn't> go, <laughs> he doesn't say Unforgiven, Unforgiven 3. Unforgiven 3. <laughs> <laughs> does, he, he's, will... does he say Unforgiven in the song? Uh, he does. Know, actually. I think he yeah. does at some point, but I don't, I don't think it's not in the chorus. It's a lot more subtle and understated. Yeah. It's 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 pretty unique actually. This one, like the first two share a lot of similarities. This one I mean, it, it has a similar structure to the first Unforgiven, but aside from that, you know, there's a lot more orchestra stuff and and yeah. um, strings and pianos in it. Is this the first time a piano has showed up on a metallic album? Mm. The one and only time, actually. There's got to be no. one on load somewhere. Yeah? I don't know. I don't know. It, may, it may be the yeah. first time. It's 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 the only one I can think where it's prominent, like yeah. right at the start. Yeah. But, um, oh, Judas Kiss, thrash perfection oh, on that, that one. So Judas Kiss is my favorite because it has, maybe in somebody's uh, estimation, too many solos, but <laughs> I love... That every time you think, oh, Kirk's done with this. So- nope, nope. It's like <laughs> another another section of the song will happen and then another solo will happen. And every time I hear the song, I'm just like, this is so great. It's like, that's like, it's like making up for the past. Just like, Kirk, yeah. you can, you want to do four solos on this song? Yeah, have at it, buddy. <laughs> and they, they're all cool. Like, I love his solos. Like, even, even though I think he's gotten a little bit too bluesy and kind of, he's gotten a little bit, um, he relies too much on kind of the bluesy aspect. Um, yeah. but I, I still, I still love his solos and, and, um, yeah, I, I love, there's so many solos in this song. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Suicide and Redemption. Now this one here is, is my least favorite of their instrumentals. Yeah. It's, it's cool, but I've, of all their instrumentals, I feel like it's been done. Like, there's good parts, but it, it of all of them, it feels the most predictable. Um, it's still got that really cool... Yeah. Melody in it, but... I, f- I feel like that also could have been done better, but... Um... But I don't know. Honestly, like the for if I had to pick a song to remove from this album, it's a tie between this one and Unforgiven Three because I think both are both are kind of like they're good songs, but they don't hold up to everything else on the album, in my opinion. Yeah, like, but 
you know, closing this one out, we got My Apocalypse. Oh, fucking which, A, man. It, which is another just full-on thrasher. Like, it, hang on a minute. I'm, I'm going to have a quick look. How much of this album is just straight-up thrash? That was just your life. Uh, if, you're, if you're talking to Metallica haters, there's no thrash on this album, apparently. They're talking out of their ass because there, there are some... Well, we, we would never know those. that there was thrash because I can't listen to it because the production's so bad, man. <laughs> I refuse to open my mind to anything that isn't my subjective view of reality. <laughs> <laughs> death, uh, de- not Death Magnetic. He says Death Magnetic in the song My Apocalypse, but My Apocalypse was the one song that I would play for all of my old friends who used to be in Meta- into Metallica when this came out. And I'm like, just listen to this song. And yeah. without fail, when you get to the part, get to the, uh, to the spit it out with the, that, and it goes into the solo. Yeah. I would always just look at my friends and they would all just be like, fuck. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> oh man. It's, it's awesome. Uh, and see, you see, that's, that's the thing. We're only on, you know, are my eighth favorite one, and I'm saying really positive stuff about it. You yeah. know, there's a reason this band is the size that they are, and people like to jump on the bandwagon because it's popular to hate them. But you know what? It's popular to hate them because they're fucking good at what they do, and they made a really successful career out of it. Well, I really do think that the 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 popularity of this band is also part of what drives people to hate them because that just seems it just yeah. seems like a, in some people that just that's part of their nature. If something's really popular, you're supposed to not like it, I guess. And which has always been really weird because it's always like, I really love this band. Hopefully, they, they're not successful. Otherwise, I'm gonna have to hate them. <laughs> I saw I saw a really funny one just like that uh, on. It was to do with the new Gojira album, which I have listened to, and it's fucking good. I, I heard it it's, too. It's it's really it, good. Yeah, I saw though that they're on like the front covers of a bunch of al- a bunch of um, magazines right now, as they should and be. I, and I went down into the comments, and there and there was one guy. It was like, oh great, this is the beginning of the end. And it was like someone replied to him, and they were like the fuck are you talking about it was like yeah this always happens when magazine when the mainstream picks up on a band it's the end and it's, it's like, like it's, it's it's literally like saying i don't want this band to have a career yeah. like i want them to have to have jobs when they go home and i don't want yeah. them to write music i just that's the fucking stupidest thing i've ever heard I, I just, it's I a completely know. defeatist mindset isn't it like when when you step and it's back, you, but, and, it's you, and but look I, at I, it. I shit you not. It's usually from people who have never played in a band one day, or written a song, or probably done anything where they had to put themselves out there in front of people. And so, fuck those people. We're gonna go ahead and add uh, getting laid to that list of things they don't do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They got cousins. <laughs> that was a good slam dunk. I'm, I'm gonna yeah. let you. I'm gonna let you take the reins here. <laughs> are we? Are so we what's done your with number eight? Uh, my number eight. Uh, my number eight is is uh, is Saint Anger. Hey. Um, and um, it. I, I I don't hate this album at all. And honestly, the first time I heard a song from it the snare was the least of the things that bothered me about it. Like I was just like, Oh, that's an interesting sound. Cause other bands have recorded songs where they turned off the snare and recorded the drum like that. This wasn't the yeah. only album that's ever done that before. And 
maybe it maybe it's turned up loud enough to where the ring is especially in certain parts of the album it's not really that bad other parts it's pretty loud but when i heard it i, I my my brain immediately went to oh it's almost it almost has like an industrial vibe to it a little bit yeah. with the way the drums sound but my problem was the first song i heard off of it was saint anger and i was just like okay i'm glad they're fast but the song is just not it could be a lot better. Like I would, I would, I would expect a lot more from this band. So originally, I didn't get into this album at all because I just thought, okay, well they're they're playing aggressive music, but I'm not. It just seems like the songwriting is not there. So maybe this band's done. Maybe they're done. I don't know. But I still listened to it, and there were parts I liked, parts I didn't like. But this was around the time that I wasn't really listening to metal or Metallica that much. Um, but I even even still went to go see some kind of monster in the movie theater. They actually played it in the theater, and um, and I fucking loved it. And it made me go back and listen to the album again. And it it, it took a, several listens for me to really start to go. You know what? I like that this doesn't sound like the other Metallica albums, and it's almost like there's more to talk about with Saint Anger than there is with Master of Puppets. Because with Master of Puppets, they had already kind of established what they were trying to do with Ride the Lightning. They just did it better with Master of Puppets. And you could go into like how amazing the songwriting is and stuff, and that's great. But with St. Anger, there's like there's a story surrounding the album, and then there's the questions of the choices made when recording the album. And to me, it makes it more enjoyable because... It's not just here's another Metallica album that sounds like one that you've already heard before. Um, I, do, I think at that point in their career they couldn't they couldn't do that. I don't think it would have gone over very well. I think it probably still would have been successful, but I feel like they had. It's almost like this is the the uh, a, a palate cleanser or, or something. It's almost like a they're just blowing everything out, you know. And and to me, it's got an energy to it that. It almost makes it the most challenging Metallica album to listen to, which yeah. is what metal is a, is known for a lot. Like nobody goes into listening to a Cannibal Corpse album expecting for it to be a time when you relax and you're able to just <laughs> put it on in the background. And not to compare this to Cannibal Corpse, but it's actually like when it comes to that aspect of metal... It's like it's re- it's like a confrontational album where it's it's literally like a like an an audio equivalent of of them just saying fuck you to everybody at the yeah. same time and some of some, I don't know it's 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 really interesting to listen to now so I but I agree with your criticisms about the songs being too long um they could have shaved them down a little bit like I said, they could have met in the middle, had some leads or solos here and there, and it would have made it a little bit more interesting because it does. There are some songs that do get a little bit um, daunting, I guess. But <laughs> the moments I like are the moments that are the most not normal Metallica. Like I, like 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 Frantic's a great song, but I love Dirty Window and I love Purify, um, and I love just hearing the moments where the this they were trying something else and even if 
part of the intent was to fit in a little more with what was going on with metal at the time. I mean, they had, they had already done that anyway. Like there are elements of, they were influenced by other bands every step of the way, even, even if they took it and made it into their own unique thing. And I think that St. Anger is that it's a, it doesn't sound like corn or, uh, Slipknot or whatever. It doesn't sound like those bands. So it's to say that it's like, like that there is no such thing as a band that doesn't get inspired by the music that's happening around them. That's just inevitable or that just happens. You make bore or you make boring ass music because you cut yourself off from everything. Like that's the thing is as much as I'll say I'm not into new, newer metal stuff or newer music in general, it's, 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 few and far between new stuff that I get really excited about. But I still like to hear all of these things because I feel like hearing something that doesn't connect with me or has some elements that I think are cool, but it isn't good enough. All of those things, for some reason, I feel like they all inform who I am as a music fan. And some of that stuff will end up in songs that I write. Some of it, will be applied to older shit that I like. Like now that I have this context of other shit, it actually makes me enjoy things from the past more and maybe even in a different way. And so all of those things, like 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 I said before, the missteps that Metallica made made them more of my favorite band because it made their story more interesting. It actually made me relate to them a lot more because I already... You know, I already, from, you know, around the time of the Black Album, wanted to hang out with the dudes because I thought they seemed super cool. But then eventually, yeah. it's almost like if you've remained a fan, which even though I wasn't really that engaged for a few years, I still kept up with everything they were doing. You feel like you know them a little bit. And I don't, when it, a band, bands that I love, I their personalities are just as important to me, maybe not just as important, but they're, they are very important along with the music. That's, you know, that's why, like, unfortunately, I am one of those people that if, uh, if a member of the band comes out as a pedophile or a racist, I'll just be like, sorry, guys, bye. Because, I mean, yeah. that's, that, that, but that's my choice. And so, you know, but, the, but I don't know. The personalities of the band is important to me, and I think that, St. Anger, like, I feel like you're hearing a really honest part of who they were at the time and what they were going through. And how many metal bands have done that? How many metal bands have made an album like that where it's personal and is a snapshot of what was happening with them at the time? Like, that you could feel it. You know, it's like a, it's a very, it's a visceral experience. And I just, I really enjoy it. Even, even with all of its flaws, it, it it just makes the Metallica story so much more interesting. Honestly, I think that it makes Death Magnetic an even better album because you hear where they went to get to that. And then I loved that album so much, still love that album so much. But the more that I listen to St. Anger, when a, sh- a song just pops up randomly, I'm always just like, I'm not turning this off. This is, the energy is is there. The aggression is there a lot of times the fun that I experienced with, with Metallica is also there. Um, sometimes it's a, the lyrics are a little bit kind of woe is me kind of shit, but that sometimes, yeah. I don't know. It's like, 
I don't want to talk to anybody that's never gone through anything difficult emotionally. Like I, I have nothing to talk to you about. If your life has been all, you know, roses and puppy dogs and you know, the, the toughest thing that you've had to deal with is maybe getting a cold now and then, like, I don't want, (laughs) I don't, I, I can't relate to you. Like, you know, it's, it's same thing goes with my bands. Like I, I don't want, you don't just give me one thing over and over and over again. And Metallica have never done that. And there's no mm. better example of them not giving you the same thing than St. Anger. And because of that, I had to put it here at number eight. There's no way this album would be last for me because there's just too many things about it that make it unique and interesting. And um, should it should be, it shouldn't be hated on as much as it is. Because uh, it's, it, I feel like all of the gripes are only because it's Metallica and they're the biggest metal band in the world or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I, a lot of people have said it. If a different band's name was on this album, sure, we may not even be talking about it, but people would definitely probably not be talking shit about it, you know? So there we go. My number eight, St. Anger. That's the thing. I've I've seen some people say as well, had it been from another band, like a new up-and-coming band, it probably would have been well-received considering you know, the music of the day. Or maybe, or maybe yeah. they, it would have been ignored. It would have fallen in with a ton of other bands around the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I, th- I think as, w- as well, I just wanted to mention cycling back, uh, you know how we were saying how kind of people will turn around and say Metallica are like overrated and stuff like that. Yeah. Like here's, here's my stance. I don't know if I've said it before um, on the podcast, but I am of the opinion do I think Metallica are overrated? No. Do I think a shit ton of great metal is underrated? 100%. Agree, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for for me it's 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 not so much Metallica that gets too much attention, it's all these other great ones don't get enough. Yeah. So I, um, I agree with that. Yeah. So Speaking about an album that caught a lot of attention, uh, my number seven is Load. Wow. I expected this one to be higher, but okay. My thing is, I've kind of gone with a sandwich kind of situation here with Reload, Death Magnetic, and then Load. Uh Uh-huh. And I think had Death Magnetic been produced better, it might have sat above load. But, uh, man, I could not deny at the same time the strength of what is actually on load. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is one of the key albums that comes to mind when I kind of mention that era of the Grower album which is, I like to call the mid-90s, um, <laughs> which there is a lot of albums like that. Uh, yeah, Slap totally. bang. Slap bang in the middle of that decade. But uh, yeah, you know, you got Ain't My Bitch is a catchy, fun opener, and it's kind of like a mission statement of, yeah, we're still like, you know, going to play hard rocking stuff, but it's it's more of, it's more on the rock realm as much as it is on the metal zone, you know? Two by four is an underrated groovy song. Yeah. Uh, House of Jack built some major Alice in Chains vibes on this one, and I love like all the scary extra like overdubs and psychedelic shit going on. Also, the the that's one of the examples on this album of 
of uh, underrated songwriting appreciation. Like, like the there are so many moments on Load, especially where as a songwriter I listen to it and I go, man, that's it's such an interesting choice. Like the 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 chorus of the song, the 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 juxtaposition between the 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 holding out the individual chords of the what they're playing on guitar and then over that it's the, the you are the father you fall but it's all over like a four four but it's just, yeah. just the 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 combination of those rhythms it just makes that part so interesting and i'm like yeah. that's that is them just having fucking cool ideas and they're cool ideas that i guess because it wasn't a metal part, it was, people people don't really still still yeah. don't like it. It doesn't it doesn't doesn't matter how good it is if it ain't metal. But um, I love that shit. Well, that's the thing as well. Like it's still it's still heavy, but in a more of a moody sense than an in your face kind of thing that you know the first five albums had. This one's much yeah. more. Um, I mean, they've embraced a lot of alternative elements as well. Um, you know, especially on songs like Until It Sleeps, um, which, you know, mm-hmm. shows off that they're really experimenting at this point because really I'd, I'd feel hesitant to even call Until It Sleeps a metal song. It's much more of like no. a... No, I feel that I feel like that's actually doing it a disservice. You know, it stands out as a, as a classic alternative rock thing, if, if anything... Um, I don't know know, if I'd even go alternative. I just say it's just a rock song, really. It's just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, King Nothing. Like, here is where we get into, like, a a meaty section of of catchy stuff. You know, King Nothing, delightfully groovy. And it, you know, especially with, like, the often never, never land at the end, like, little reference. This one does feel like Enter Sandman's chunkier younger brother, but I love it. Like, I would, I would still put both songs in the same kind of zone for how much I like them because I love them. I wonder if I wonder if that's why the ly- I wonder if that's why the lyrics became what they became because it does have a similar vibe. So make because it's a lot about like, yeah, making it big. Is that what you really wanted? Kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Kind of kind of vibe. Exactly. I mean, he says that in the fucking yeah. song. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Hero of the Day, like major oh, yeah. key, that, another amazingly yeah. well written song. Yeah, for sure. Like, and I remember I was at uh, my my uncle every year. He throws this like uh, for his birthday. Uh, this isn't the same uncle, by the way. It's another uncle. I have a lot of uncles. Um, <laughs> this is uh, Uncle Uncle Phil. He throws pre COVID. Obviously, I don't know the future of it right now, but every every time his birthday happens every year, he throws an ale festival in his back garden. And he has like a bunch of people from like all over like the County, just like f- friends and stuff to like show off their breweries, ales and stuff. I get fucking yeah. wasted every single time without fail. That and it's great. Fun. But, um, his son, uh, Rob is in control of all of like the playlists and stuff. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of like nineties rock in there and it kicks ass being at this like backyard party 
with all these other drunk generate generation X people yelling to hero of the day. And it's just like one of these magic moments. That just reminds me of being young. Like, especially when I was in like probably late junior high, early high school, like people would be throwing a party and I would always be like, do you have anybody doing the music? Cause I would, (laughs) I would always put together like mixtapes or, or later mixed CDs just for the party. And I was so big on like ordering things in a sequence that would make sense at a party. And like, I I had so much fun fucking doing that. I almost just want to throw parties just to do that, just to play music. Totally. Everybody comes over to my party. I'm just like, leave me alone. I'm busy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Again, like, like I say though, just keeping on hero of the day for a moment. They'd done a few things in a major key before, but this was the first time where it's like the most prominent. And it actually sounds like even, you know, regarding whether or not the lyrical themes are, it does like have a happy, it has a happy vibe to it. Well, part, well it, it has to because it switches to that, to the part, well, I, I guess that would be the chorus that's not in yeah. a major key. And it makes that part kind of more powerful, I believe. So yeah. I love this song. It's great. Um, oh, but then you get Bleeding Me. Awesome, psychedelic, vibey one. Uh, I will say Cure is a bit of a forgettable one. I only ever hear it if I listen to the album in full. Um, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm a little hoarse here. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Poor Twisted Me. It has vibes and grooves aplenty. Wasting my hate. Now this is in a similar vein as Ain't My Bitch with just being a fun rock and roller. Yeah. Um, and then to my response to Mama said, all I have to say here is James Hetfield country solo album coming when exactly? I I would <laughs> I you know I I would fund that because he is remarkably good at that vibe. That but is the you... only way I would ever buy a country album, I think. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if Hetfield's behind it, I'll buy it. Hetfield sings Johnny Cash. That'd be fucking cool. I, I support that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh Honestly when thoughts... they, when I first heard the album, like that was the that wasn't as like people I guess that that song were like, Oh, how could they put this on the album? And I was like, I don't know, it was kind of a cool little moment. Like it, yeah. it made the second half of the album kind of unique because it was there. That's the thing with like a side B. You you need to add some add a little sauce to keep people invested. You know, it's yeah. That's when that's where you throw your curveballs. Um, oh man, Thorn Within has an awesome Sabbathy riff. Uh, I think that Ronnie is underappreciated. I love the bounciness of that riff. It's got a real southern rock vibe on it. Yeah. But the Outlaw Torn, huge epic vibey closing track that had to be shortened because yeah. it, it was it didn't fit on the album. <laughs> it does but, feel uh, it, it does feel to me though like that's that, I think my only problem is I think we talked about this before when we were talking about this album in the '96 podcast we did. But yeah. um, Bleeding Me and Outlaw Torn are so similar. It almost feels like they had this long jam session recorded with two different similar riffs to the same drum beat. And they just went, oh, we can yeah. just make this into two songs. And they, they're, <laughs> they're both good songs. But they're yeah. so like one could just lead right into the other. And um, so that's why I've always been like, ah, it's, 
it's, it, I think that the outlaw torn on its own is great, but in the context of the album, I'm like, I think they did this kind of thing already. Um, yeah. <laughs> and slightly better in my opinion, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that is my number seven with load an album cool. that grew on me. And I like a lot more these days. All right, we're not we're not matching up at all. Uh, my number seven is is uh, is going to be what I consider their comeback album, Death Magnetic. And hey. um, I already talked about this a lot. This is see that's uh, that's another thing. Like I feel like I, I I like to have our conversations have a back and forth when you're talking about it, and then when I get to my part, I go, let me just blow out some a few things and then move on. Um, but yeah, so this was a big deal for me. This brought me back into Metallica in a big fucking way. And, um, first song, the first song I heard was actually a live performance of Cyanide. And I remember going, all right, this is pretty cool. But then I remember one night in my car on the local radio station, they premiered the day that never comes. And once the last half of that song was over, I was just like, it sounds like injustice for all. Like it just, yeah. I mean, I was just like, that's fucking sweet. And so, um, so yeah, the more, the more that I talked about this album and how I feel about it, I think it's amazing. It's a huge comeback album. It's, um, honestly, the only reason that it's not in my top five is because I tried to be more objective with, um, with my ranking. Um, but if, in the feels, this is in my top five. Um, yeah. But I do realize that some people could view this as them retreating a little bit because they did load and reload and then they tried to do something a little different with St. Anger and then they said, oh, well, let's go back to how we did things before. Because you can tell these are the songs that were written the way they used to do it with Hetfield and Ulrich doing their demos together. And I think they went back to doing like the riff tape thing where they just patched together the parts that were the best and made it into a song which is the way that they used to do it and um i think i think there's something beautifully full circle about it though because if you look at like footage of them footage of them like recording the album uh sorry to cut in there but like that's all right there's a part there's a part where um i think he's recording judas kiss with like the white v that he used on um kill them all which is something yeah. that stood out to me i don't know if it's like a replica or not but i'm sure it's um not. yeah that's badass yeah yeah so, but it does it does have that for old school fans i still don't get it when people claim to be old school metallica fans and they don't like this album i don't it, it yeah but then again i i don't i really do feel like like the i'm learning more and more that when it comes to the label metalhead um I don't really, I fit like kind of on the fringes of that label. I don't really like fall fully in the middle because I do appreciate things in a different way and I like different kinds of things. And um, the big thing about Death Magnetic though was that it did, like I said, bring me back to the feeling I had when I first got into Metallica. And some of the songwriting I think is just so fucking amazing. And they they do like an eight minute song and then do a lot with eight minutes. And There are so many moments where there are so many fuck yeah moments on this album and the production doesn't bother me, like I said. So if you take that into consideration, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 one that's aged amazingly well, but this was an album when it came out that it didn't leave, like I had the CD version and it didn't leave my car stereo for months. It was the only thing I listened to. And yeah. um, I saw them on the tour for this album too 
which was pretty cool because it brings us to, we mentioned this band earlier. Uh, the opening band was Gojira and then Lamb of God played and then it was Metallica, which Lamb of God are fine. I'm not a fan, but they put on a good show um, and it was fun. And in the bathroom, somebody mistook me for um, one of the members of Lamb of God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember which, what, what his name is. Uh, um, but he's one of the guys with the, with a beard. And long hair. I can see it happening. <laughs> um, but I remember being in line, and I think I was dressed like him too, because I think I was at the show in a black t-shirt and camo shorts, and I believe he <laughs> was wearing the same outfit. And so I think they were all like, "Hey!" And I'm all like, "No, I'm just, I'm just some dude peeing. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in Lamb of God. Why would I be in this bathroom, dude? Seriously." I was um, literally wearing the same exact outfit today when I went to my went to my grandma's house to go on my drum kit. Yeah, I was literally wearing the exact same thing. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the but I just remember that that show was fun just because it was Metallica. Just because I saw them on the Load tour also, which I'll talk about. But on the on this tour, for some reason, it really the, the whole vibe was back with just them as a metal band and just the one thing that I have to say though is that when i first heard death magnetic a lot of the songs i as much as like i i'm i'm a lars ulrich fan i like what he does he's perfect for the band i don't think he's obnoxious i think he's his his attitude is kind of endearing he makes me feel excited about stuff when he talks about it and but i can still be super critical i know he's not the best drummer in the world I know that, you know, he has his flaws. He also has things about him that people don't realize. Like they talk about how he's a very simple drummer and he doesn't do a lot of fills or fancy stuff. I'm all like, but do you see how fast and hard he plays for two and a half hours? You couldn't do that. And a lot of your favorite drummers couldn't do that to that extent. Not only that, he plays all this fast shit and then immediately jumps up from his drum kit and runs around the fucking stage. I mean, the he does not get enough credit for being an integral part of the band energetic, but also an integral part of the band, not just in how they sound, but also in how the songs are written. He's, he's, he's he's a big part of the arrangements. Yeah. The, the arrangement side of things like people don't nearly give like Metallica would be nowhere near as big as they are, you know, ironically without the dude that gets shit on the most, because I I absolutely agree. He's so, you know, he's very business-minded. He was, he always had contacts, and he knows how to write good metal songs. You but know? also, he, he, knows- he, was the, he was the person that pushed the band a lot, in a lot of ways. Like, like, when you read about the kind of person that James Hetfield was early on, you need a Lars Ulrich. Yeah. He, you need yeah. that guy. And so the, people have said it before, and I'll say it again. No Lars, no Metallica. That is, that is, and some people would say that would be a good thing, I guess, but, you know, you're a moron. But that, that being said, as much as I love Lars and I, I, I think that he's important to the band, sometimes I have criticisms about his drumming, and then when I heard Death Magnetic, I went, is he really doing these things? Like, are there <laughs> triggers? Did, how is... But then, like, you go back and you watch the making of stuff on YouTube and you see him playing the songs with the double kicks happening and all of the shit. And I go, all right, fuck, he can play it. And so it it made me, like, and seeing them live, too, it made me kind of reassess him at that point because I was like, oh, okay. 
So he can do the things that he's supposed to do. He alters it a bit for the live experience because some fills, they don't even fucking come through. Who the fucking cares? You're playing, you're playing to a massive yeah. arena of people. You don't hear as many intricate things as you would on like in a club show or something. But also it's just, you look at the amount of energy it takes to do what he does. Um, but yeah, I, I, the drum, I love the drums on death magnetic just because I feel like it's him doing what he does the best that he's done it in a really long time. Um, and that's, that was a long way for me to basically talk about how I think Lars is great. And, um, I don't care what anybody says, but, um, but yeah, death magnetic is great. It's, it's aged very well to me. Uh, still sounds amazing. And, um, yeah, I had to, I, I, I couldn't put it any higher just because I do realize that in a lot of ways it is them kind of going back to things that they've kind of already done. And um, I I will agree that the production could be better. So it ends up here at, at, at number seven. But um, when it comes to albums I listen to by Metallica, this is definitely in my top five. Wow. Okay. So on on a little bit of a kind of a kind of a similar era, but uh, you know, a, a, a fair few years later. Okay. Uh, I've got for my number six. Hardwired to self-destruct. Nice. Okay. So I, I, I like this one a lot more than you do. Uh, this... <laughs> well, I mean, I, re- I do like this album. You have to remember, we're talking about my favorite band ever. So. Oh, for sure. But the, this, this is the album for me that dismantled any small but lingering doubts that Metallica would release another album that would really hit the spot for me. Like, this yeah. to me... This to me personally is is the best one since the Black Album. Like I really enjoy everything, he, almost almost everything here, because mm-hmm. um, especially especially for me, coming into Metallica in like right in the first few months of about twenty ten, uh, you know that was coming off of the heels of Death Magnetic. It had been two years that that album had come out at that point. Mm-hmm. So the the following year in 2011, Lulu comes out, and I'm thinking, uh, "Hey, what? Like, yeah." Pa- like that- let, let me let me pause you though. You said the word. We, we we're yeah. not including it here, but let's let's take a moment and talk about Lulu because if you remember, yeah. When we did our first original podcast, you may not remember this, our first original podcast of this, where we included all these other Metallica albums, Lulu was not the last one on my list. And I know. <laughs> it's because going back and listening to it, I was like, this is a pretty interesting listen, and it's it's got some cool shit on it. And do I think that Lou Reed gets a little bit annoying at times? Yep. But um, overall, like, it is not the worst album ever made. It's got some really cool shit on it. And um, I feel like we, we do need to do the podcast where we talk about the, non, the non-regular album Metallica stuff. But, I mean, you can say a few words about it if you want. Here's, here's my thing. When, when I contextualize it, my feelings towards Lulu are kind of shaped by who I was at the time. Yeah. So... Like, being a 13-year-old kid who'd been into Metallica for two years, or, or sorry, at least uh, a year and a half, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, new Metallica coming out. And then 
you know, to hear this weird experimental thing with Lou Reed of all people as well, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I I was thinking, I was like, I, I kind of just wanted a new Metallica album, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, um, and then I can't, I can't t- explain to you how happy I was when they first released the single from it, because even at that point I was already sick of metal people online. Cause I was just like, fuck you. So when yeah. they put that song out, I went, this is so good. This is exactly what I want Metallica <laughs> to do. I want them to be yeah. like, Oh yeah, fuck you. Like we, you know, we do what the fuck we want and you're going to listen to it. And, and it's still, that's the thing. Is it like Lulu is an album that so many people fucking hate, but try to go buy a copy of it on vinyl online. The shit's expensive because people yeah. want the shit because it's fucking good. It's not great, but it's good. Here's, here's my thing with it. Those is that like, you know, Following the release of, uh, you know, Death Magnetic, mm-hmm. I'd been into Metallica from the start of 2010 up until wow, like yeah. most of the way through most of the way through 2011. Yeah. So I was thinking, oh, cool. New Metallica, right? It's really it's Lou Reed with Metallica as his band doing this experimental wild thing. And at the time I was thinking, yeah, the view has a cool riff and all. Uh, but this album as a whole is like a big, what the fuck? I just want a new metallic album. But then the thing that stung for me was having to wait another five years (laughs) for said, said next metallic album to release. So I was kind of like looking at, I was looking at the fucking years roll past me like I had been through the entirety of high school in a pocket of time between the release of Death Magnetic and Hardwired. So throughout high school, I had like no new Metallic album. So yeah. I was like, well, this is fucking great, isn't it? So when I... F- to me, yeah. they, they, they did enough to make me happy though, because probably the... I remember the buildup to Through the Never coming out. I was so excited about that movie, and I fucking love that movie. I think it is – that is one of the most underrated things ever. Like I still need to rewatch it. It is yeah, a movie a that I I don't understand. I understand why it didn't do well in the theater because there's, there's a limited audience that would want to go see that. But people who talk about just filmmaking in general – it, like sure it's not a fucking academy award winner but if you think of the idea of the concert film and that movie and the amount of effort that went into it just it's such a, a fantastically fun and different style concert film and it, i love it and so like you, you know you're waiting for another album like that was the thing that i was just like i'm i'm okay if they're taking the time to do this cuz i'm just so excited for it and it was a big deal for me but yeah, Lulu was also a big deal because it seemed like such a big middle finger to the yeah. metal elitists, you know. I can see it like look, looking back now, but it's, it's like you know, I was, you know, I, I was a thirteen-year-old. I still, yeah, yeah. you know, my my idea of of metal was the big four. And certain Black Sabbath songs I knew, you know, I was still, I still had yet to know anything about all the 80s stuff that I would fall in love with later. Yeah. Hell, I wasn't even into, I wasn't even into my grunge thing yet. You yeah. know, I, this is still, I, I was really into 
like five bands. And this is that's and, interesting because this yeah. is this is a really great example of how you and how our experiences differ because this is literally a case where we were both alive, both experienced this thing coming out. You being, would you say, thirteen years old um, yeah, at the time? I've, I've and, been thirteen. And me, like I was in my 30s and I had my baby daughter like in my arms the first time I heard yeah. the first single off of it. So we're both at completely different areas of our <laughs> lives hearing this one thing for the first time. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing about it is like now retroactively looking back, uh, I mean, obviously it's Metallica's 40th anniversary this year. Um, oh, shit. Meaning, yeah. meaning... It's Lulu's tenth anniversary, so Ooh. that's fuck. That's fucking wild. If they do a box set of that, I'll fucking buy it. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Nice. I, didn't they do that like big tube thing with like the posters and like the? It was like a big care package. Yeah. Thing. At that point, I wasn't collecting anything. Like I wasn't collecting vinyl yeah. for sure, but I also wasn't really collecting anything because I. I would always have so many money problems in my life that I would end up selling everything. So I just stopped buying stuff altogether. So I would, I just yeah. bought the C, the regular CD of Lulu when it came out and that was it. But yeah, yeah, we, let's, let's move on. Let's we, 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 we can talk about Lulu. We'll do another podcast where we talk about albums like that. Cause I feel like we could talk a lot about it, but we were on to hardwired to self-destruct when you finally got that new Metallica album. Yeah. So hardwired, Fuck yeah, thrash. I, I remember sitting in, uh, just in my armchair playing. It was probably one of the many GTA games. And I had like a notification pop up on Facebook and it was like Metallica uploaded a video or something. I was like, Metallica's uploaded? What? Mm-hmm. What? 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 you know like and i watched the video and i was like there's a new album coming out like one of those sudden it dawned on me right after it happened i was like ah this is a cool one-off song and it was like oh no this is the title track for like the whole 12 track album coming soon what yeah you know i was i was i I literally i i i I was falling over myself grabbing my phone to go to the website to pre-order it and everything i was just like this is awesome yeah man and then like they periodically because all of the all of this album's tracks have videos and they kind of they dropped a few, and then on the day of the album's release, they dropped all the rest at the same time. If I remember, well, they right. did it. They did it like every hour or something like that. They they kind of spaced them out because I remember I was at work, yeah, and I should have been working, but I wasn't. I, every time that a new one would pop up, I'd watch it. So it's like almost like you yeah. got to hear the album before the album came out because the final one was released and then the album was released. Oh, it's fucking cool. Like that. That's the thing. Atlas Rise. This song also fucking rules Uh, now that we're dead it's catchy as hell like that that's the thing it's not my favorite um moth into flame though for me is up there with their 80s work in my opinion it's great it's great song it's just as strong and i agree that it could sit i agree that it could have been like a one-off song they released in like 1990 on the on the heels of Unjustice for All, but just before the Black Album, yeah. like it's got that catchiness to it, but it's also thrashy. It's got kind of a 
it's got like a similar kind of feel to holier than now. It's like not completely yeah. thrashed out, but it's still heavier than just like radio rock. Speaking of that, um, speaking of that song, um, another, another gripe you hear, um, what are your thoughts on their performance with Lady Gaga? They did of this song. I, I fucking loved it. Me, I was yeah. pissed that they screwed up James Hetfield's mic, but thankfully there's been like a doctored re-release of it. But I, yeah. I personally, I'm going to go out here and say this. Lady Gaga was one of my favorite artists before I got into metal. My, yeah. my three, my three favorite artists, if I remember correctly, were <laughs> Eminem, Lady Gaga, and Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that's, yeah. but before I got into metal, I was in the Madonna. So, I mean, that makes sense. But the, the hell, I've I've got the Immaculate Collection saved on fucking Spotify, dude. Hell, it's, hell yeah, man. The uh, it's pretty unfuckable. The um, interesting thing about that performance is I liked it too, and um, it just goes along with the with the the old man backlash that people people yeah. are just I don't know people are boring. But um, the Billy, thing- where's this lady on the stage with my favorite band? Yeah. But the thing that I liked about it is that the version of it where the microphones cut out, if you watch the dress rehearsal where everything goes okay, there's no moment where he goes over and sings into the same mic that Lady Gaga is singing into. So it created this really cool moment where all of a sudden James is like, yeah. fuck it, I'm coming over here. And it's the just the two of them singing together. I'm just like, I, I'm not a big fan of hers, but I do like her. But just that moment, I'm just like, that's really cool. And it, yeah. it's it's well known that she's a metal fan. She used to she used to play metal songs in her shows, like they you know during parts yeah. of the show she'd play old Metallica or something like that. And so that's but I just I like it when bands do things like that. Maybe that's an, another one of the many reasons why Metallica is one of my favorite bands because they are not afraid of doing interesting shit just to say fuck it, let's try it, and that alone yeah. makes me enjoy it. And I love the song Moth into the Flame. And I, so, I mean, honestly, I'm all like, oh, they, they, want, they want to do a version with her singing on it. I'm like, great, put, put her on that shit. I'm, I'm down with her. She's a great singer. Anyway, I just wanted to put that in there because it's like there's, whenever you talk about Metallica, there's all these people that they always want to chime in and be like, are you going to talk about the snare on State Anger? Are you talk about Lady Gaga? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> no, we talked about it. And um, you're, you're a dumbass piece of shit. And um, we're awesome. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Just just shifting into the next track as well. Dream No More. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't get nearly the credit it deserves for being so fucking chunky. Mm-hmm. Like that that chorus. You turn to stone. That's great. I I love that. Um they really pull back on the tempo as well. Like, I just love, <laughs> I love that like thing that should not be kind of feel on it. Yeah. Um, which is, which is, oh, uh, I mean, it's like, it's, it's going back cause it's a, it's them doing like a Lovecraft kind of thing again. So it's almost like hearkening back to older yeah. stuff too. That's the thing. Like there's a lot of, like we'd said before, there's a lot of love letters to their previous works on mm-hmm. this one. Um, here's where I think this is my most controversial opinion about this album. 
One of my least favorites is Halo on Fire, and I don't know why. Oh, okay. I, I think I, it's great, I've, but yeah. I've never been able to pin it down. It's just, it, to me, if they're like more ballady kind of tracks, it's, I mean, it does have like a cool chorus and stuff, but compared to other stuff on here, I, I just prefer the feel of a lot of other tracks on here. Um, it's also important to note that this is technically a double album as well. Because it comes on two discs. Yeah, and when, yeah, and I guess the vinyl technically is two discs as well. And then, and even then, they didn't include Lords of Summer, which was written kind of in between everything. And Lords of Summer ends yeah. up like on a bonus disc or whatever. Which honestly, I'm I, I don't I think Lords of Summer is a pretty good song. It's not one of their strongest. So when it wasn't on the album, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. We have it somewhere recorded. Yeah, I actually remember, um, just before I continue as well, it, it seems good to mention this uh, halfway through um, before I start the next disc. I remember the morning I went to go get this. Uh, what was it, like November 16th? Uh, I distinctly remember it just because it's, you know, my favorite band releases a new album. I'm like, oh, shit, remember this day. And Apparently I, got I don't like the... them that much because I don't remember dates. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I, I remember being on the bus uh, on my way to college and getting off because I had a free period in the morning. That's a really cool red sunset, by the way. I wish you could see it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, people out there, <laughs> take our word for uh, it. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice sunset, but yeah. Uh, I remember getting off of the bus and walking into Truro, which is like the only city in my county, uh, Cornwall. And it really, it's a glorified town because the fucking cathedral towers over everything else anyway. Um, but I remember walking to the HMV, at walking straight in, going straight to the metal section, getting the deluxe CD... The three disc one, uh -huh. which is sat right next to me. And I remember walking up to the counter, buying it, and walking straight back to the bus stop to get the next bus. Uh, but I brought my laptop with me, which at the time still had a, a disc drive in it. So yeah. I was like, on my bus ride in, I was like, quick, import these into the into my iTunes and then you know, put it on my iPod and listen to it throughout the Can day. Can you imagine going back? I mean, you weren't alive, but somebody comes back to me in like 92 when I got my first CD player and they were in, and they one day they'd be like, one day you won't even be playing these. I'd just be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that makes no sense. A day where we're like, we, fi we finally got this great sounding format. And you're telling me that like, we're not going to use them anymore. And I'm going to start buying records. Like what's, what the fuck happens in the two thousands? It's it's a strange one, isn't it? How it came full circle totally. again, but uh, yeah, c confusion is groovy. Uh, here comes uh, sorry, man, unkind has an excellent feel to it. Um, I love the riffs on that one. Here comes revenge, grew on me, especially after seeing it live. Mm -hmm. uh, Am I savage? Has that gnarly breakdown? Yeah, in it. and cons considering it's an E standard, it sounds heavy as fuck. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, Murder One is a tribute to Lemmy, but sadly, one of the most forgettable songs on the album, unfortunately. Yeah, but it's, 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 it seems like it should be better. Yeah, but oh, man, Spit Out the Bone, what a fucking ripper of a closing song. Like, there's a part in it, 
that reminded me of Pantera as well. That like the uh, breakdown in the, the middle. That cool little part there. And then it slows down even more. Fucking cool. Yeah, I'm gonna need to re-listen to that song right after we do this podcast. It's so cool. I love like I say, I love almost everything on this album. And the only thing keeping it out of my top five is the fact that there are already five amazing records. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Yeah. So um, uh, I'm, I'm going to let you take over and do your do your number six, unless you have anything more to say. No, no. I, 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 I'm looking forward to whatever they put out next. And um, I... I this is it's an album that I love because I mean I've got two different versions I've got the original vinyl version and the box vinyl version of it um, yeah so I mean I like it it's just um, I, I know they can do better and I think that they will but um, I had to wrap up my top half um, because you're 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 correct when you're talking about talking about the later stuff they did as much as we love it compared to those first five albums is ridiculous. So, um, (laughs) so my number six is going to be load, uh, from 1996. And really the big reason for this one being the top of the bottom half is because it, in my opinion, is them taking a chance and doing something and, Overall, it was pretty successful. As much as it alienated some fans, critically, people seemed to like it, and it was a number one album. I mean, all of these fucking albums from this point on are number one albums when they come out. They haven't had... That's the one thing I think is interesting, that people like to talk about St. Anger like it was a disappointment. I'm all like, it was a number one album. Like, what what the fuck more do you want? (laughs) Um, So... But yeah, it's so. But when Load came out, I'm gonna be kind of quick with this because I talked about this in the 1996 podcast. When so go back and listen to that where we talk about our favorite albums from 1996. But um, when I first heard this album, it was being played um, in its entirety on a radio station right before it was released at midnight. And I said this before on the other podcast when the when Ain't My Bitch starts. And the lyrics start, I just went, what? This is like a parody, right? Because you go from, like I said, he he was, he used to be so good at like using these interesting words and these interesting turns of phrase along with these kind of badass moments. And literally it starts off with out of my way, out of my day. And I'm just like, did you write that on the fucking toilet? Like, I'm just like, (laughs) how much fucking thought does that take? You know, like, first yeah. off, the line out of my way is so just like, okay. But then to rhyme it with <laughs> out of my day, I'm just uh, like, okay, all right. So I was very, I was, I, immediately I was like, oh man, what the fuck? And then, so, but they had already released the single for um, Until It Sleeps. And I liked Until It Sleeps and still do today. So I guess that what that was the first song I heard. Um, so I was already, I already knew this would be different. I just didn't know that it was going to be that kind of, I don't know what even to call that. And I know that it was probably James Hetfield 
going like, oh, I don't need to overthink things so much. And I understand that you don't always need to overthink things like that. But um, I was just so not impressed and still went to the record store at midnight anyway and bought it when it came out. And I listened to it a lot. And there were songs I loved at first, songs I didn't like at first. But over the years, it's really grown on me. And honestly, I think now it is a very solid album. Um, and it gives you a lot more of a variety, which me as a music fan, I love getting a variety of songs on an album. And so when it comes to everything they've put out post black album, this to me is the best example of them doing whatever the fuck they want, but still putting out an album that I, I think is really, really good. And Sure, did it make me as excited as Death Magnetic? Nope, I don't listen to this one near as much as Death Magnetic. But I really do think in the story of Metallica, this album is really important because it this this solidified that they weren't going to do what everybody just wanted them to do. And yeah. that's part of why I love them. They're not going to... They're going to take chances. They're going to spend millions of their own dollars making a movie that flops. They're going to put a whole bunch of money into doing a festival that apparently didn't make very much money or I don't know. I don't know how that whole thing worked, but they did that for like two years. I think the, the, yeah, the Orion, the Orion festival, but they are just a band that constantly says, have we done that yet? No, let's try it. And that's, I like that about them. And load is, is the beginning of that, of realizing that this band has already established itself as being a badass band that can kick the ass of most musicians and bands out there um, or, or just, you know, metal in general. Like they were at the top of, of everybody's lists and shit, but they, and they could have continued just kind of doing that and they didn't. And whether or not the intention was to reach a broader audience, that doesn't matter because if you put yourself I mean, maybe not you listening out there, but if I put myself in the shoes of being in a band for 10 years or whatever and reaching that kind of success, setting a goal of like, let, let's do shit that like broadens our audience, that seems like more of a challenge than it does a, a sellout. Because yeah. every everyone likes to talk about albums like the Black Album, like they were guaranteed to be successful and they weren't. And so when they did load, it was a gamble. And in some respects, you know, they did lose some fans based on it, um, even more so than they did on the black album. But to me, that's more exciting than bands today, you know, thrash metal bands from back in the day. I'm not going to name any names that have been around just as long as Metallica and continue to put out albums that sound exactly like sure there's minor changes, but it's so similar yeah. to all these other albums that they've already done and everyone is just like album of the year, man. And I'm just <laughs> like why? Why is this good enough for you? And that's why Guys, I've, guys, I've, I've got a great idea. We're going to tune down half a step. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I just think that, that, um, maybe that's what it is. The day that Metallica started to piss off metal fans, they became yeah. a band that I love because there's nothing cooler than dominating a genre 
and then saying like, peace out, bros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like that. Like, it's, it's like a mic drop. Cause yeah, it's, it's different when your band isn't very successful and then you start changing your sound and people can be like, Oh, you're chasing success, but they weren't chasing success. They had it. They could have stopped making albums after the black album. And they, as you've seen, it still sells hundreds of copies every week or whatever. Yeah. They, they would be fine. They didn't need to do anything else. And honestly, the thing that everyone seems to forget is that Metallica making albums that you don't like doesn't mean they didn't make Master of Puppets, which yeah. we'll get to. Um, but like I said, um, all of these albums and all of these things they've done have added to them being my favorite band of all time. It just keeps piling up the reasons why I love these guys so much. And um, I really do think Load's where it started. It, it, it's the first, we don't care what you think, not just in the album, but even in, even visually speaking. Like, yeah. you know, like there's, you read so much about people being so pissed off that you look through the liner notes and they're wearing eyeliner. Well, some of them are wearing eyeliner and, yeah, and they've got like nipple piercings and shit. Yeah. And like Kirk stressed like a pimp. Yeah. Know, yeah. And I, cool. I know that James had come out saying that he, he wasn't on board with all of it, but once again, that, that shows like a strong conviction with them as a group of, of brothers in a band that like, he was still just like, all right, I mean, we'll, we'll do this because we're, this is, we're a band that, that we are together. We compromise and we make the best we can make out of what we all want to do. And so, Mm. you know, musically speaking, he was 100% behind it. Um, it was just the image part that he had a problem with. And honestly, at the, I thought about this the other day because I remember there was a big thing that people complained about because I don't know if it was just one time or if it was several times that in public Lars and Kirk kissed each other. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, first of, first of all, if you're a homophobe, please stop listening to our podcast. You're a piece of shit and should die. But on top <laughs> of that, Every time I hear people complain about that in my brain, I'm thinking to myself, here's, here's confession time in my twenties. I went through a period where I had a male friend that I would occasionally kiss in public just for the fuck of it. Because that was (laughs) if to me and I, and I'm, I'm not a homosexual. If I was, that would be fun, but I, (laughs) but I'm not. But if you've never had a point in your life where you felt like you wanted to rebel against the norms of society, then you are a person I don't want to talk to. Cause I mean that I don't care what it is that you're rebelling against. That's just a natural thing to, to, yeah. especially when you're in the limelight. Like I, I, I just, if I, I would do the same thing, I would have been more like Lars or Kirk during this period because I would have been so like, don't you fucking tell me who I am. I didn't get into music yeah. for fucking rules, man. Rules. <laughs> and so like, yeah. uh, that, that's, that just adds to my love of this period of Metallica. Cause I'm just like, it, it, I, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where it's just, it's, it's pure rebellion and it's pure them having the balls to do whatever they wanted. And I could, I could drive that point home a million more times, but I'm not going to, cause this has become a, uh, the lo- probably the longest episode we've ever done, I think. Um, but that's my number Perhaps. six. My number six is load. And that wraps up our first half 
of uh, of Metallica. And um, hell yeah, I'm glad we did it this way because we're really getting to talk more about shit and not have to move on so quickly from one album to the next. I think when, if anyone had heard the yeah. first one we recorded, I'm pretty sure we were all very nervous and we were just like, uh, De- death magnetic. Uh, I like it. It's cool. Uh, what, what about you? <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I feel like it, it was kind of like a, it was a good opportunity for us to, to really give this catalog the deep dive it deserves. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I really do think that once it's all said and done, eventually I think we should do a podcast where we talk about the other releases from Metallica because I think that that to to both of us they're that important of a band. Um, and yeah. some of you out there, well, you probably already turned it off if you're one of those people because you're not a peanut butter <laughs> platypus; you're a, a peanut butter piece of shit. Um, <laughs> 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 I just I, I love all of you, even the ones that don't really like everything we do. But um, um, so I don't. I, I was going to say something, but I don't remember what it was. But um, um, anyway, that that wraps it up for the first half. Um, do you have anything to uh to add before we sign out? <laughs> I love it when I when I make you laugh like this. It makes me feel like I've done enough for the day. <laughs> I'm still losing it on peanut butter piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's we pull no fantastic. punches here, folks. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fantastic fucking discography and we're only halfway through. Yeah, and, um, it's, and we're, we're going to get, I mean, uh, obviously we've, everybody knows that we're both talking about the same five albums next episode. The question is, yeah. will they be in the same order? I'm thinking. Yeah, that that's yeah. Like it, I, th- I think that's, I'm thinking maybe a couple now because, and this is not me being swayed by anyone else's lists. I, my, I think my order has changed since last time quite significantly. Mm-hmm. Perhaps maybe four of I mean, the spaces. mine too, because I'm trying to be a little more objective. Yeah. Cool, but... I mean, um, good. No, I, I, I had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that um, before we get to that, we're actually going to be taking a little bit of a break, so you're not going to hear from us for a week, so there's going to be a little bit, a little bit of a, uh, what do you call that? Anticipation, a build-up to yeah. um our top five Metallica albums. Um but um but yeah once again we we appreciate you guys listening, especially those of you who last through all of our shit. Um and honestly this has been a this has been a cool year. It's been a year that we've been doing this and yeah it's become a thing that I look forward to m- more than anything else that I do on YouTube or anything like that. Like this is this is my favorite this thing. Is- yeah, this is definitely the most uh, fun I have with regards to any of this. Yeah. It's just two bros nerding out about their favorite bands. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> always fun. Um, so yeah, that wraps it up. I'll I'll be quick with the with the wrap up here because we've we're, yep we're over two and a half hours. So um, wow, thank you, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, once again, if you're on YouTube, put some comments down below. Um, you know what what how do you feel about the ranking? What what is your ranking? Um, yeah. That's basically it. And if you're listening to this on a podcast, uh, go and rate us and do a review because it it only hopefully it makes us stand out more in the world of podcasts. Because I I listen to some podcasts and we're a, kind of better than some of them. 
not all of them, but (laughs) I think we deserve a little more exposure, but maybe we'll get it one day. But anyway, that wraps it up for this episode of Cranked and Ranked. And as usual, I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Eddie Sparks to take us out. Ooh, later, dude. Yeah.